on December 17th, 2012. The first episode of a podcast was released that would change the landscape of tabletop gaming forever. This audio leviathan, co-created by two longtime friends, is called... Wait. Hmm? Instead of longtime friends, how about two incredible studs? Two incredible studs? Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds good. Say that. Um, okay. This audio leviathan, co-created by two incredible studs, is called Rolling Dice and Taking Names. For the past ten years, RDTN provided meaningful game reviews, educational discussions, saved the rainforest, given lawn care... Wait, back up. Saved the rainforest? Yep. Not once in the past ten years... Have we cut down any trees in the Amazon? That's true. Yeah, but I mean, no one has to cut down trees to make a podcast. We aren't paying you for your opinions, Eric. That's also true. (sighs) Fine. For the past 10 years, RDTN provided insightful game reviews, educational discussions, saved the rainforest, given useful lawn care tips, entertained the masses with taste tests, and single-handedly introduced moon pies to the next generation of gamers. Okay, stop. This is going a bit too far. This is a real nice deluxe copy of Merchant of Venus you got here. It'd be a real shame if anything were to, uh, you know, happen to it. Okay, okay. Let's just all calm down. Back away from the mouth pelts. Let's just wrap this up without anyone or anything getting hurt. And now, I'm proud to introduce the two icons of Dable... Dabletop? Dabletop! Cut! See, Tony, I told you we should have used Fiverr. Take two! And now, I'm proud to introduce the two icons of Tabletop Gaming Media. The legends that take white noise generation to an 11. The grumpiest gamer and the man always in your wallet. Tony and Marty. Okay, can I get back my Merchant of Venus, please? See, now that wasn't so hard. Here you go. Now get out of here, Citadel boy. What? My Achilles heel. Citadels! Hey, y'all. It's time for the 10th anniversary episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And on this episode, the guys list their top game from each of the past 10 years. They will review Millie Fiore, Wayfarers of the South Tigris, and Tony and Donna will review Rage. I will join Marty to review Holly Jolly and Porto. And don't forget to enter RDTN's big 10th anniversary contest giveaway. I hope you're happy. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. Happy anniversary, baby, got you on my mind. Hello, and welcome to, oh my, the 10th anniversary of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode, jeez, 200 
and 77. This one's titled Aluminum. My name, as always, is Marty. And mine is Tony. Still haven't gone anywhere to change it, so it will always be Tony for 10 more years, so we'll see. Unless you're uh, at work, and then it's David. Point. You're absolutely right. See, this is what confuses everybody. One thing that we've learned over the past 10 years is that Tony flips back and flop between names to where friends and publishers will be like, wait a minute, who is David? And then we have to go through this whole, whole story. Uh, don't blame me. Blame my parents. <laughs> this is called aluminum. I assume because aluminum is probably the uh, anniversary gift for the 10th year. 10 or aluminum. So I, I took us a little bit higher than 10. So yes, aluminum. Yes. The 10 year anniversary. So what'd you get me? That's aluminum. Um, I don't know. I got you an opportunity to spend 10 years editing this show. I know that. <laughs> which, which as we've often said, is nine and a half years longer than I expected. <laughs> That's right. Back in December 2012, we turned on the mics for the first time and came on and it sounded a little something like this. Hi, this is Marty and Tony and welcome to the premiere episode of Rolling Dice and Techie Names, a podcast focused on tabletop gaming. Well, Tony, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. We've been talking about this for a long time. so What, like months? Months. So... No. Well, I guess before we get really get into this, I guess we could introduce ourselves a little bit and kind of talk about what we want to do. So I'll let you get the ball rolling on that part. Well, I appreciate that, Marty, throwing me the ball over here. Um, like I said, my name's Tony. Um, I've been playing games, oh, for about five years. Got it all really started um, back when I was a kid. You know, you, you, you enjoy playing those games on the back porch. Oh my God, that was awful. That was awful. That was bad. <laughs> wow. It was, it saw like NPR voices, no energy, no enthusiasm. But at the time, we, we just didn't know. We were kind of doing it for us, throwing it out there, not ever realizing that, you know, the show would pick up a little bit of steam and, and last for at least 10 years. Absolutely. I had no clue. Um, and uh, it's been fun. It's been a fun 10 years. There's been some, there's been highs, there's been lows, but all in all, it's been, it's been a great time. We've got to meet some incredible people, got to talk to some incredible people, got to go to some incredible conventions. Um, we've weathered the storm on, oh, I don't know the, the rough times for the past two years to the, um, highlights right before. And when we were researching this show and yes, people, we do research. Thank you very much. I was looking at some of the years of the games, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite games over the past 10 years. I was looking at, man, there's, there's some, some years that are really highlights. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later on. But as I was going back and picking out my favorite game of each year, there were some years I struggled. I went, good thing we're not doing honorable mentions or it'd be a super long segment because mm -hmm. I would honorable mention so many things. And I think about, uh, so first thing I want to talk to you about. Yes. Is do you remember the last time we went to Origins together? Can you say the year? No, because I don't remember. I just know okay. it was. It's been about four years ago, maybe five. Okay. And I just remember we went out to dinner, and Chaz was with us, and we went to this place where you once again you swearing by a place to go eat at Origins. It was some cheese melt place. Oh, stacks, which is no longer there. Okay. And Chaz looks across the table at me and says. So where do you see this going? And I go, see what going? I see the food. What, 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 where do you see? No, the podcast. And I said, well, Chaz, 
you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm enjoying it. I get to spend time with my good buddy here. I see it going maybe 10 more years. And if we make it there, I'll be, I'll be surprised and we'll celebrate it. And we have, we made it 10 more years. Yeah. It's one of those things that I never would have guessed that it would have gotten to where we are again. Everybody else, I, I get to, if you're starting in, in content creation, plan for success. And what, what I mean is think about things that, you know, all want to make sure I have a good social media presence. I want to have a plan for the future. You want to have kind of a business plan. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, you have a, a certain voice and you, and you cultivate that voice. Because literally we turned on the mics and kind of started. We did a little research on how to get a podcast up and running. But we didn't do a really good job early on. Oh, shoot, Tony, we didn't have a, a, a social media account like on Twitter until 2013. Yes. I don't think we had a BGG guild until like 2013. It was not until 2013 that we went, oh, I guess we should be doing all these other things. <laughs> yeah, we should be, but we weren't. Because it was why I put the effort into it. I remember you often telling me on our webpage, you really need to do more on the webpage. I'm like, why? You know, what, what are people using? I still question that today, this date, our webpage, whether it's really needed, but that's beside the point. But, oh man, you know, so when we started this, you know, some of the big things that were going on in 2012, first off, one of the biggest movies was The Hunger Games. Okay. That was 2012. That was 2012. Yes. And I was trying, you know, Dark Knight, um, Pitch Perfect that I still watch to this day. Uh, when was it? Oh, wait a minute. Dark Knight. Dark Knight was the. Dark Knight Rises. Sorry. Okay, so that was the third one. Okay, yes. And it's Christopher Nolan. So, so not only was it you know the start of RDTM, but it also started something else that you can speak highly to, and that is okay. the MCU. The Avengers came out. Oh yeah, so it's funny. So uh, on our Facebook, uh, you know, it'll say, "Hey, here's a picture from your past." And this past year, when the week in the Avengers came out, a picture popped up of all of my family standing uh, in the theater getting ready to go watch that film. I loved that film, the first Avengers. The first Avengers, and mm -hmm. there were some duds in there, but not like there were ever any duds of this show. Never. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So so those are some of the big movies. Uh, so I just looked up the top songs from 2012. Uh, somebody that I used to know. Who's that? Somebody that I, I used to know. No. You know that song, but was oh my god, I'm not even gonna say it. Go to yay, go to sure. Go, call me maybe that one. I know probably that one. You know that one. Uh, we are young. Okay, I know that. Uh, one. And I'll stop there because the rest of them I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> so not our genre. I was not listening to pop radio, but I do remember the song "Somebody That I Used to Know" because I got kind of sick of hearing it. And then it wasn't in 2012, 2013 that we started naming the shows after the various titles of songs. I forget when we started doing that. It's just suddenly something we did. Yeah, I don't remember why, but we did it. It's a beautiful thing about being old. <laughs> There's a lot of things that we used to do that has that's changed over the years. I remember we always, one of our segments, we thought, this is going to be a hot segment, Casual Corner, Casual. where we talk about, uh, uh, you know, I remember our, our first thing was like, we want to introduce people to board games. And we thought, okay, we'll use a podcast in order to introduce people the the wonders of board games and what kind of board games to get to the table. Unbeknownst to us, nobody who was searching for anything about board games would pick out a podcast. Mm -hmm. It's not like if you're not interested in board games, you're not going to listen to a 
podcast about board games. So it's not like we were pulling anybody into it and we realized, okay, this really isn't the right approach because the people that are listening to this are already playing board games. Right. And if 10 years I had known about podcasts, because this was something you introduced me to, hindsight being what it is, mm-hmm. we should have not picked board games. We should have picked Unsolved Mysteries. And we would be able not work, you know? <laughs> That's right. We shouldn't have detective stories. Yes. And, and done that because then we could have written our own ticket. We wouldn't have to be working right now for the man. We could be doing the podcast and researching that and doing that kind of fun stuff. But no, we picked the ever popular in 2012 board games. <laughs> Which even though the the board game landscape has grown a lot over the past 10 years, it's still very niche mm-hmm. compared to, to other hobbies. And it's always been amazing to me that actually just the, the general board game niche is smaller than specific things like magic, the gathering Warhammer 40 K there's specific tabletop things that are big and popular D and D, et cetera. But the little just general niche of board games is still rather small. Mm-hmm. It is. I also think back on the show about, you were talking about the segments, the original chit chat. We started, we said, you know what? It would be nice to have some other voices on the show. And we were developing our our good friendship with Suzanne and Ree. And we were like, guys, would you be interested in coming on and helping us on the show? They also, not like me, unbeknownst to them that what they were getting into, they said, sure, we'll do this. And we did chit chat. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we, all, we ran, I don't know, not that many segments with them because then they started to build momentum, which was great. Yeah, they did. And then Rhiannon kind of went and, and started doing her own thing. And we said, we want to do this again. And we had met Mandy Hutchinson. Yep. And we thought, hey, let's, let's see if Mandy and Suzanne might want to come on together. And we got them on for several segments of Chit Chat, which was always a blast. And then... Uh, Tom from the Dice Tower thought, oh, look, those, those two work well together. Maybe I should bring them on to the Dice Tower, where they were a part of the regular podcast there. And uh, since then, they've done on, gone to do many great things. Mm-hmm. They now have their own podcast, uh, Salt and Sass. Uh, they have a, a YouTube channel. Suzanne uh, works for Restoration Games. I, I guess it's safe to say that we started their careers. I mean, is it, no, can we say that? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that one bit. We were just lucky enough to get, and I'll, I remember playing diamonds with, with Suzanne and Ree at um, BGG Con. Oh, that's right. We had the big diamonds tournament. We had the big diamonds tournament. So we had that segment that came on. And then, of course, we still do the five-minute initiative, which I don't know why we called it that. We should have called it something like, um, which was a segment that we did later, which was in a nutshell. That was a better name than five-minute initiative, but it's what we've always done. I lo- Mm-hmm. I, we should have the one thing we did in a nutshell where we were condensing it down um, yep. even more than five minutes. I wish we had started with that. But once again, it's kind of like hindsight, rolling dice and taking names. We should have had a better name. The horrible name. Horrible. Horrible name. And people are like, why? It's, cause it's too long. Too it's long. just too long. And so we had tried to adapt. And over time, you know, like AT&T used to be American Telephone and Telegraph. And they just said, okay, we're just ATT. I've tried to just do RDTN, just make that more the common thing. Um, but yeah, 
uh, too long of a name. There, there are more clever names that just kind of roll off the tongue. That was not one that of them. One and having to explain it. That's, that's and I remember what were some of the early names? I wanted to go with like the, the something was it the lot, not the something pops. I don't, uh, there was something with pops that was in the name. I was trying, we're trying to do something clever with being, oh, I know we had the curmudgeons of cardboard or cardboard curmudgeons. Was that it? Okay. That's better yeah. than rolling dice and taking names. <laughs> That's probably the one that we should have gone with was cardboard curmudgeons. Yeah, but you, we, we did a test with our families, and they all knew what it meant. And, and it was going to be that edgy, that, that rolling dice, and we're taking some names because it goes on to, you know, kick butt, take names type of thing. And we're like, you know, we're going to tell you how to do that as to, but not that we could. Uh, we had a segment uh, when we were first starting out. We did the, uh, was it War and Peace with... Um, Two good friends, Todd and Alex, they came on. Yep. And they were they did that for a little bit for us. And then we've always had Mark Kale on. And he did the first uh, how to do a BGG trade. Yep. And then uh, we started doing the Ascuri report. Had done that in quite mm-hmm. a while. The pandemic messed up a lot of that. But we used mm-hmm. to get together and uh, do that with Mark and Nate. Of course, Nate uh, had children, uh, which also hurt being able to get together regular on game nights. But I always enjoyed that because it was then it was like, okay, here's two intelligent people that could come on and talk about games and actually mm-hmm. do really good deep dives into them, especially since Nate has designed and published some games himself. Yeah, so from a designer standpoint, we've had Nate Bivens on, um, Sunday Split, um, Silver River, and oh, I think there's another one that he's, oh, uh, there's another one that he did. I can't think of it off the top. It was a overpowered or something like that. Yeah. Um, we've had Eric Lang on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've tricked people into coming onto the show over time. Yeah. Several times we've had Rob Davio, always a blast. Always a blast. See, I was going to wait and do a whole bunch of lists and then put and Rob Davio. At the oh, end of, I'm sorry. That's okay. See, I, you, you should have scripted this out. My bad. No, 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 no. I was, <laughs> I was just thinking. I mean, we've had um, the, the clobbers. Clob. How how, how do you uh, Catan clobber? Is it? Am I saying his name wrong? The designers of Catan, Klaus Tober. Tober. See, I'm, I combined the two. Typical Tony mm-hmm. on this show. Um, so we've had, that was exciting mm-hmm. getting him because he didn't speak uh, or doesn't speak uh, English very well. And so his son came on to uh, kind of help us out. Martin Wallace. Yeah, from Australia. Mm-hmm. Or is it New Zealand? I can't remember. He was from, I can't remember where he was from. Because we ended up talking about sheep. Yes, we did. Absolutely. Uh, we had, uh, at Gen Con, we got to meet uh, Reiner Knizia. Stefan Feld, close. What Was it Stefan? I, it was Stefan Feld, yes. It was at the Secret Cabal meetup. We had him oh, in that's there. that's right. Okay, I'm, uh, that's right. Okay, my bad. <laughs> yeah 10 years runs together dude my my wife was asking me yeah. do you remember we've this? never talked to Ryder Knizia well that's a that's an under that's something we need to do we need to correct that well there you, there you go that we still we still have things to try to uh, achieve over the next 10 years maybe one time is talking to Ryder Knizia my gosh man we have talked to a lot of the big designers haven't we mm-hmm. and I'm sure we're missing so many because we've had the ability to talk to so many different people over the years absolutely and then I remember my first Gen Con you sent me there by myself and I felt so out of place. And you were like, you need to talk to some of the publishers. You need to interview them. And I remember my, the biggest one that I remember was this guy by the name of, um, oh, 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 uh, Steve, Stephen, Stephen. Is that it? 
a Bonacore or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, I got and I, He's not in the industry anymore, I've heard. Industry. But yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. And I remember talking to him. I called him Steve, which you had to correct me later, which was bad on my side. And But my favorite part of that was when he says, yeah, 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 I'll talk to you. He did the spiel. And he says, now go play this game and leave me alone. <laughs> and, I, and I remember talking to Zev. Zev's like, I got to talk to this guy. Hold on. And I remember going through yep. all of that. And I was just like, oh, man, this is, this is going well. Why, why did I agree to do this? Wasn't it our first BGG where we got to sit down and talk to Ignasi and he taught us Imperial Settlers? Yes, absolutely. I remember we reached out to him and we thought it was so cool. Oh my gosh, the, the designer of Imperial Settlers wants to sit down with us and teach us the game. Probably the biggest mistake of his life. Yes, absolutely the biggest. Because he's been stuck with us ever since. <laughs> well, his biggest mistake is when I traded away Robinson Crusoe and he tweeted out, you need to get that game back. And, and you and you contacted me. Did you see what just happened? Ignacy, listen to us. It was like, you know, you know, Ignacy is actually trying to learn English from us. I don't know why, but yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just some of the fun we've had over the past 10 years. And then what's really cool is we've branched out from there from uh, people who are into board games, but not necessarily into the um, industry. Uh, at Gen Con, we got to interview Joe Maganello, mm-hmm. uh, who that is a uh, big time actor. Mm-hmm. That was that was embarrassing, but uh, he's he started a whole um, t shirt line, and uh, we talked to him about that. But he's a big D and D fan, still a big D and D fan, and it actually is working. I don't know if you know this. He's working on a documentary right now that's on the uh, the history of D and D, which I really can't wait to see uh, come out. I think that'll be really interesting. Yeah, I know, and people have been latching onto that. Every time something pops up on YouTube, you always see about the the stars of D and D or some of that in his his videos right there. So people always latch on to that. I was trying to think there was something else that occurred. Um, uh, <clears throat> oh. Not not to bring it all the way down from Joe, but you're talking about movies and things. Uh, we didn't always have segments about games. We had our, before the pandemic, we had something that you and I enjoyed, not one of our more popular shows, but that is our movie review. Summer movie review with Dan and Chris. And I would love to get back and do that again. Yes. I, I, I know that wasn't a, as a popular thing, and maybe that's one of those things we could do as a video cast. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun to kind of do it as a, a video capture thing. Uh, we're just kind of do it live, and it's kind of one of our off week uh, segments, mm-hmm. uh, because we just past couple of years not a lot of movies coming out, but is now this kind of starting to ramp back up again. We could probably do that. Maybe twenty twenty three. That'd be fun to check out Can again. Do that. Maybe someday we'll get at the table back on the table, where we would bring uh, in yes. other people. Yeah. I mean, you think of some of the other great publishers we had, Sarah Erickson on. Oh yeah, the idea was we're bringing on people and talk about their jobs. Mm-hmm. That's where we uh, had Rob's wife on and, to talk about graphic design yes. and, and looking. So the, Ian, a tool I've actually reached out to him. He said he'd come on the show as from the artist perspective, uh, which I think would be really interesting too. Vanessa and I got to interview Kim joy mm-hmm. uh, from the great British bake off. And she was just on the holiday special. Oh, she was, or she is on the holiday special for Netflix this year. It, was done last year, but it came out on Netflix this right. year. So you can go check out her on the holiday special this year. She's on a special episode. Okay. I said special a lot. But they were special. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So when you started this 10 years ago, did you really think that you would be doing this for 10 years? Be, be truthful. Because I've already... No. We, yeah, okay. No. Why? 
I thought you'd get tired of it and just walk away. <laughs> I dude i got like, i got i got no dude, i got no skin in this game it's like uh yeah I, um i don't know 10 years is a long time mm-hmm. and like i said we started out just something something fun to do on the site i just thought it would peter out we'd realize yeah nobody's really listening why are we even doing this anymore i think we probably started really ramping up on listenership when we joined the dice tower oh yeah network uh which i think maybe it was the spring of 2013 that's when Tom was actually bringing in people to be part of the Dice Tower Network, and we got you know posted on their page, which which you know brought a lot of attention our our way. I think we're still on that page, but that really doesn't mean anything anymore. It's not like you, it's not like a benefit or anything like that. Well, it's being part of that, and that's fine. There's no there's yeah. no there's no loss to it. There's nobody saying, "Oh my gosh, you're a part of that." No. But you're you're absolutely right. That helped out a lot. But for you know, 10 years we have brought our way of doing things, which I thought we would try to do it differently than other people. We've kind of gotten into a rut and maybe in 2023 in our 11th year, we can change things up a little bit and see if we can, you know, get back to where I always want to be at that hour mark, but we tend to run a little long, but that's okay. I'm no, I'm not going to yell about it. I'm not going to kick and scream. We can do this. From our previous questionnaires, 90 minutes seems to be that sweet spot. I'm never doing another questionnaire, by the way. I'm done with that. But the I do have a question about this as we wrap up this nice segment of banter. That's, I got a funny story, but, we'll have, we'll, but I don't want to interrupt the 10-year uh, look back here. So ultimate right, question. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap back to the funny story? Yeah, we'll wrap back. We'll wrap back to it. Maybe okay. it'll be in the outro, or maybe it'll be, who knows? Who knows? When, that was something we always did, squirrel. Oh, yeah, squirrel moments. Squirrel moments. We start talking and suddenly go, maybe we've gotten too good. No. <laughs> so where, where we stay focused now we didn't used to have really used show notes a lot like almost at all mm-hmm. and i think we're better at just taking little putting little notes down because now we just tend to forget things <laughs> and it's more for to make sure we don't forget to say this or that absolutely but the squirrel moments were we would suddenly be talking about something and then something would grab the attention of course and off we would go right i remember our first t-shirt i mean a good friend steve gibbs who's a designer, designed the first logo before um, we had had it done professionally. Mm-hmm. But I remember we were in the big time when I actually went to an off, uh, a, a t-shirt company that did uh, off, you take their off-branded stuff or their, their reject shirts. Uh-huh. And I had them do our shirts for us. So, you right. know, I was like, I'm not going to put a lot of money in this. And you're like, well, we need sure. business cards. I'm like, no, we don't. And you're like, yeah, we do. Let's think about some of the things. We got our mason jugs or our mason jars, our squishies, our these guys crack me up pins. What other time? Oh, and t shirts that we don't Luggage push. tags. Luggage tags. We haven't done swag in a while. And the reason why we haven't is just because we haven't been out of the convention. So for the people who support the show, I would like to do some more swaggy type stuff. In fact, we've been talking with uh, Berkey, Kevin uh, Berkey over at. Uh, Game toppers. Uh, game toppers about doing a few things for us. And so maybe that's something we can continue to pursue in 2023 because we haven't been to conventions. We haven't had the little things to give out. So may- maybe we can come back around to that. Something to talk about in 2023. Also, before I forget, as I mentioned that, if you've been a fan of the show and you want to support the show, we do have a way to support it. Now, I know a lot of people use Patreon to do that sort of thing, which is very popular. We chose not to go with Patreon because some of the rates and everything like that. (laughs) 
probably bite us in the long run. But instead, what we're doing is we have a website called buymeamoonpie.com, which really would just take you over to buymeacoffee.com. And this is a site that we felt this is good for us to work with because it supports multiple ways that you can uh, give to the show. You could do just a one-time donation. You can give recurring donations. This also provides us a way to do events. So for our big Gen Con strike tournament, which how many years we've been doing that? What was this past year? Our fifth? Fourth or fifth. Fourth or fifth, yeah. Yeah. So when we do that again, hopefully this year, uh, by the way, you need to call Spaghetti Spaghetti Factory and get that set up. Um, Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, we got to call early. (laughs) We we, we do call early. Uh, You know, we'll do it through through them. But also... uh, that's going to be a way we have with these different tiers. Maybe we can do some some swag that we can give away. We're still trying to get to that point to where if you've given $100 at, at one time or support our highest tier, our $10 per month tier, uh, once we get a certain number, what we're going to do is we're going to do a live show uh, with the Chris, the moderator, used to be with the Flip the Table, where he has like a Price is Right uh, game that you play online, which is a lot of fun. And the people who back that will be able to do that first time. Uh, I still would like to do with maybe that middle tier. We've got the one ring and we've got the new uh, Lord of the Rings uh, 5e coming out. We have uh, My Little Pony RPG coming out. So it'd be kind of do fun to do like a one-time session with those who are backing that middle tier. So I got some ideas that'd be fun to do uh, with people who actually listen to the show. And that's the most important people. We talked about all these guests that came on everything. But we have met so many amazing people over the years that just for some reason listen to us and support us, and that's what really makes our day. That's right. Our, uh, we, and we really do appreciate it. Even when we take the jokes about being white noise and being able to put us to sleep for you know, a good nap, get us going, we, hey, we own that. We appreciate that. But thank you all for sticking with us for 10 years. Yes, look back on your life and think, oh my gosh, I've been listening to these guys for almost 10 years. Where has time gone? What have I lost in my... Add up the hours and think about where you could have gone with those hours had you not been listening to us. Now, you may have been mowing the grass. That's what I was going to say. A lot of them may have been mowing the grass because that's... Man, when when did that first come into play was the, the lawn care? How long ago was that? The lawn care was five years ago to, because the reason why is five years ago, I moved into our new house and I was looking for new mowers. Got it. And so that started the whole mower segment of, you know, what am I looking for? Why am I doing that? And we ran that one kind of, we did beat that horse to death. We, we, needed, to, we needed to stop that. But, uh, but we will always tell you when to fertilize, when to aerate, <laughs> how to get your yard ready. Because it's important stuff. Yeah. Well, 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 we still bring it up during that season of when it's important mm-hmm. to do. Uh, uh, speaking of seasons... Uh, I'll probably be referencing this throughout the episode, but it's also the season when you get a certain age uh, that you should schedule to have a colonoscopy. And I am, as of this recording, in prep phase. Good. So FYI, uh, Tony, as we go through this, I may have to take a break to go start drinking the Miralax concoction that I've made mixed with Gatorade. It is 64 ounces. It's 258 grams or 238 grams of Miralax poured into 64 ounces of Gatorade. Starting uh, in about 25 minutes, I'll need to drink eight ounces every 15 minutes. Okay, I know that. I know that one, except I took the real high-powered pharmacy stuff, but, but you're going over the counter. More power to you. 
So here's the thing is, uh, here's your squirrel. Here it is. It's happening right here. Squirrel. You did the over the counter. Did you do the prescription? Prescription. Okay. The past two times they have not given me the prescription option, which I've seen is a lot easier to do. Meaning it's just like take a couple doses. Is that correct? It's two uh, 16 ounce doses and you have to hold your nose. It's sickingly sweet, throw up sweet. Okay. But it's just basically just drinking two things and you're done, right? Yeah, you drink one in the night and then you drink one in the morning. Yep. Ah, so this one, I guess, is a lot slower acting, but it takes, you have to do a lot more. Mm -hmm. So even after this 64 ounces, uh, later tonight and the four hours from now, I have to take another 128 grams and mix again and do that. So I will have had a lot of Miralax powder mm -hmm. over the next six to eight hours. And you will also have a lot to drink or drain out water-wise. It'll be pushing yes. hard. Yeah, that damn, she going to burst. I may get irritable as the recording goes on because I'm getting hungrier as we mm -hmm. go. You've had, had nothing but clear stuff. Yeah, like uh, this. Mm -hmm. It's uh, this. Hey, that's good for a podcast. It's uh, it's Sprite Zero Sugar. That's right. You got to do oh, all that. Really good. So, you know, we've done that on the show for the past 10 years. You've heard about uh, health. So it's, it's our normal jobs. You know, Marty's in the medical field from standpoint of keeping you alive with his medical devices. And I'm in the power industry and safety's number one. We can't screw up what we do. That would be bad. Marty puts a, puts a comma in the wrong line of code and you're dead. You know, sad, but true. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, and we do a lot of joking and stuff, but it's funny. We always do talk about, do take care of yourself. And I keep harping over and over. Two of the easiest cancers to treat is, col is uh, colon cancer, uh, which can be done with colonoscopy. And now there's coming out with uh, non-intrusive ways to start doing testing. And for men, uh, prostate, once you get into your 40s, uh, now there's really no need for the rubber glove test anymore. Just make sure that on your annual visit that your doctor is doing a PSA test on your blood work, which is a way to determine if there might be something going on with the prostate. So PSA test every year, please do that. Yes. And for the ladies, I know my wife just went and had the um, mammogram. Very important. Mm -hmm. I mean, Vanessa, you know, she's keeping her health up because for Donna, I'm not, I mean, she wants me to stick around. I want her to stick around. So keep that in mind. But I do have a very important question before you get to why people need to be listening through this whole segment, and that okay. is the good stuff. But here it is. The ultimate question, RDTN, are we better after 10 years? Leave us a comment. We don't know where you can leave us a comment, but you can leave us a comment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. You leave us a comment and people go, okay, where? And you go, I don't know. So that means no comments will be left because they don't even know where to go. Uh, to be honest, I don't expect any to be. That's what's so fun about it. I, so the best way to leave us a comment is you can send it to our email, which I'll never get right after 10 years, or you can leave it in on our webpage. You can send us the show note, uh, the Twitter, however you want to do it. Go for it. Just leave us a comment. Go to the YouTube page because we'll be posting this on the YouTube page as well. And you can leave us a comment there. All right. So do y'all notice that after 10 years, he's not any better no. describing anything. He says, he does not tell you the email address, nor the website, nor the Twitter account, nor the, the YouTube account. So how, again, how are they supposed to know where to okay, go? Okay, uh, uh, there's this amazing page called Google Rolling Dice Taking Names. And it's amazing what's going to show up in the search. All right, let's just make that easy. 
How's this going to be easy? How's this going to be easy? You're going to give them 40 characters. Well, okay. Number one, everything's on RollDiceTechNames.com. All of our links to everywhere is RollDiceTechNames.com. Twitter's at Dyson Names. Our Gmail accounts, RollDiceTechNames.com at gmail.com. It's the same mm-hmm. as, the, as the website. And in fact, the YouTube is also RollDiceTechNames. So there you go. It's all RollDiceTechNames at what dot com at gmail.com youtube and at dice names on our social media again going back to about uh 15 20 minutes ago we picked a stupid name i know it's too long <laughs> but i mean like it would have been hard for him to find find us i mean okay i'm listening to roll dice take names all i gotta do is go out and see that's what i'm saying i don't need to tell him where to go anymore it's kind of like you need to go to the grocery store do i need to tell you which grocery store no you just need to go to a grocery store if you want to go there just go to this page you can do it anyway well not necessarily because there could be a sale on something and then i need to know do i need to go to the food line or to the harris teeter or walmart and harris teeter had pepsi products buy two get two free which harris teeter's our local grocery store and only the harris teeter i went to did not have fruit quake i was very upset that's a new segment that we didn't mention Mm -hmm. taste taste buds That one has been very popular. We haven't had anything to taste recently, but uh, that's been a very uh, popular segment that I really enjoy doing. That one's fun. Yes, taste buds. Now, let's get to the important thing. If you are listening to us, 10 years we're celebrating, and the only way to celebrate is to give, give, never take. And that's us. That's always been our motto, give, give, never take. Except your time. Except your time. And if you want to support us, we'll take your money at uh, buymeamoonpie.com. This is true. Or if you want to send us anything, <laughs> you can send us stuff. We'll be happy to send. But other than that, we don't take anything we don't take except anything. your time and your money. That's all we take. <laughs> we've got a contest. Yeah. We and this contest um, is got. We've got a lot of prizes out there. We've got uh, miniature market gift cards. We have games. Well, we even got a Tony box of crap or two, not literally, but figuratively how many boxes we got i'm doing two how many are you gonna do i'm gonna do two but they're not big ones not like we did for um the squirrelies which is another segment we we did started doing our squirrely awards yep but it's not the big boxes i'm gonna keep it down to like a regular quick shipping uh well the postal express one game can go in it you're keeping it small i'm gonna do two larger boxes okay i've saved a couple uh boxes these are games that maybe we've had duplicates of uh, or maybe we've played and then we're going to pass on to somebody. So we're going to have those. I have four games from Portal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Portal sent us ga- some games to give away. The Miniature Market, they're giving away 10 $10 gift cards. Uh, WizKids is going to uh, send some games. Flat River Group has sent us a few games that we're going to ship. Same thing uh, with um, Off-Duty Ninja. They're going uh, to do like My Little Pony or Renegade Games, My Little Pony and The Hunger. And also, this is really cool, Tony. A listener reached out to me oh. and said, I would like to support y'all's contest. He said, I have an unopened copy of Ark Nova Ooh. that I'd like to give away for your contest. So he did. He wanted to be anonymous. You know who you are. Thank you so much. Awesome. That is very generous. So I'm going to get uh, the information to him of who he needs to ship the game to. And that person will get a copy of Ark Nova, which is probably the biggest consensus-wise, the most biggest game of the year, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. So that's nice that somebody would do that. Somebody would really see. We do have some people who listen. This is only for U.S. shipping only. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. We got to keep the shipping. Um, a lot of the publishers say, please keep it in the U.S. And likewise, we're doing the same because anything that we're shipping, we're going to be paying for out of pocket. 
so a lot of the games I have here and some of the games will tell the publishers to um, ship themselves. All right, so where can you find the links? Go to go to our website. Or if you're listening to this episode, look in the show notes. If you have a podcast application that shows the show notes and links, there'll be a link. Uh, Miniature Market is helping us out here by setting up one of those raffle copter type things where there's multiple ways to enter. Uh, follow us on some social medias. If you're in our Discord channel, automatic entry. We want you to join our Discord channel, y'all. That's one of the things we started the past couple of years that we love. We love our Discord channel. We interact there more than any other place, more than Facebook, more than BGG. We love the people there. There, I tr- We try to post there every so often, but the day-to-day conversations take place in Discord. So we're going to give away a special prize to our Discord channel members. So if you're there, make sure to go over there. We'd love to get to 500 members sometime. And we promise when we hit 500 members, I'm just gonna, we're going to give away a $50 gift card to Miniature Market. So there's an incentive also to go there and join uh, Discord. Again, links on our website and our show notes. And this will start as we drop this episode and the contest will end January 10th. So that's when we'll close it. And then we'll get a list of random list of names and then we'll contact you and we'll go from there. Wow. So let I'm going to reiterate that end date. That's please January 10th. Get it in, get it done. A lot of people don't listen and this is going to come out during the holidays, this episode. So it's going to come out after Christmas before the new year, which is obviously you'd see that if you were on the podcast notes. So there's not going to be a lot of time. You're going to be taking down uh, the Christmas decorations. You're going to be getting ready for the new year, getting ready to start off strong. So don't let this slip away. Matter of fact, you want to accomplish a new year resolution one of those can be, I'm going to enter the RDTN contest. Look, you've already checked off something. There you go. Make that happen. Please enter. Uh, we love doing this each and every year. And thanks so much to the publishers. Again, thank you to Portal Games. Thank you to WizKid Games, Flat River Group. Thank you to Renegade, Off-Duty Ninja, and a special listener who is basically helping to set up this contest uh, for us. Uh, it means a lot to us. Enter is, again, there's going to be multiple ways to enter. Uh, one of the ways, you know, maybe like um, since a miniature market's doing this, it'll be like, hey, join our mailing list, which we always recommend to do, y'all. Always. I'm telling you, when a sale hits, guaranteed within the first hour, there'll be something that's sold out. Mm-hmm. That's how well they, they cut their prices. This isn't the miniature market, market spot yet, but I'm just saying... Joining the list is worth it. You don't get bombarded. And if it's too much for you, all you got to do is hit unsubscribe. It's, it's a piece of cake to stop getting the emails. But most of them are really easy. Follow us on this or that and join our Discord channel, et cetera. And then we'll kind of go from there. So you had a story you want to tell us. Did you still want to save oh, that for Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go ahead and do that. So one of the things is we're kind of light on reviews because one of us, me, went on vacation and I did a cruise recently where um our cruise in 2020 got canceled for obvious reasons and we had to reschedule it but we had to get it done within two years so we had to pick a cruise and we went to greece and i posted a picture of santorini over on our discord channel where we were at the top that iconic santorini where everybody thinks all the tops are blue because of the game santorini no not all of them only the churches are blue by the way blue dome just so you would know that so anyway um, one of the things I did, and and hopefully um, we'll, we'll be able to talk about it later, but I'm on the ship, and this is a Viking cruise ship, and it's one of their larger ones. But one of the nice things about Viking, the reason why Donna and I enjoy this one, is because at the spa, you can go in, and they have a hot sauna, they have a snow grotto, 
So, and they have an ice bucket and then they have a huge whirlpool and as well as a hot tub. So if you like, when we were doing our tour, one of the tours we did was Ephesus and it rained all day. Oh my gosh, it was raining, but still amazing. Ephesus is amazing. So we get back on the ship, you know, we're cold from the rain and everything. So we're going to go down to the spa, get into the hot sauna, get into the whirlpool and things like that. So I put on my shorts, I put on my t-shirt so I can walk down there and not go through the uh, lobby in a robe. That's ugly. Okay. I got my bathing suit in hand, but they have one of those. Do you remember the little spinner things that you can put your bathing suit in, Marty? Where you put it in and, and, and spins all the water out? We had them at state. We have them at the oh, Y. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have yeah. them at the Y. It helps dry out your clothes. So anyway, I, that's what I'm going to do. Put my clothes back on. So I come out of the sauna, come out of the spa, and I'm going into the locker room where I'm going to change back into my clothes and dry out my. And I'm looking around. I'm like, where are my clothes? Oh, there's 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 where I put them. Why are they gone? Why are they missing? Oh my gosh. So I go out to the desk. I say, did someone come and clean the locker? And they said, no, sir. That's not scheduled for another hour. And I go, oh my gosh, somebody stole my clothes on a cruise ship. So for the next seven days, I'm looking for, oh my gosh, I'm looking for a guy wearing my dark blue shirt and my blue shorts. And I'm also <laughs> like, I'm not checking because they also stole my underwear. <laughs> this was not my, 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 my best my best vacation. Okay. There were a lot of things that happened. A lot of things that are wrong. You can tell where, um, the pandemic has really impacted various tourist things. Uh-huh. And, um, but that was just the highlight. I have a, and this is a Seinfeld thing that I at least understand. I have a list of grievances. Okay. <laughs> Fe- Festivus for the rest of us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I had a list of them and that was number one. Somebody stole my clothes. So I'm walking. So, I'm walking around the ship in a bathrobe with my swimsuit on underneath. Thank goodness. And I'm like, oh my heavens, I got, and it was just the funniest thing. So, but anyway, that, that was the highlight of, oh, that was the low light of my trip. So that is grumpy Tony on a cruise. Mm-hmm. Got his clothes stolen. Just, just, was there anything in there? Was it just shirts and shorts was, and underwear? That's it. They took the underwear. That I don't understand. Yeah, no. Uh, I guess it was just a grab and run. I, I guess so. But where are you going to run to on a ship? And I looked at it like this. And one guy goes, well, sir, we're sorry. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? do I, I'm not going to I said, you know what? If somebody needs my clothes more than I do, they can have them. Okay? That's fine. It's no big on deal. On a cruise ship? Shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, oh, man. And those are my favorite pair of shorts. But that's okay. It was hilarious. So wait a minute. So you don't put your clothes in a locked locker? You could. But I'm Oh, oh. I could. So it's gonna get back to the fact that it was your fault that you left your clothes out there to be stolen. But, I'm like, but once again, why would anybody want a pair of grungy shorts, a grungy t shirt, and underwear? Who's gonna take that? Boxers or briefs? Uh briefs. No, boxers. Boxer briefs. <laughs> You confuse me. They're not. They're not. Are either they boxer one. briefs? They're boxer briefs. There you go. There you okay. go. Yes. So I'm like, eh. and they're not tidy whities So anyway, <laughs> gosh, that, that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but I did make it to a game store on my cruise, and I and that was oh, it was so nice. And I, 
I, I was in Greece when I went to this game store and I was talking to the gentleman and you know, there was, there's some language challenges, but he did the best. Thank him for everything he did. But I was looking for, you know, something that was from Artipia. They're a Greek publisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they haven't come out in a while and he couldn't help me. Oh, I know. I was like, I, I want something local, but instead he gave me um, one of the small card games. So I can't wait to talk about that. But anyway, that, that was the cruise. So here's the thing is though. So you and I did not get a chance to play any games together. No, uh, you had the cruise. You came back. Oh Lord. You had your first bout uh, with the COVID. Are you feeling better, sir? Uh, there's still some raspiness in my throat, but yes, I was. It was no big deal. Twenty four hours, I was over it, but I still tested, and so we followed the CDC protocol of ten days, and I was released Saturday from my prison. Um, I was able to patch. He means his house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he means a room. I'm sorry. He means a room in his house. That's right. I, I fixed the door where I cut the hole to get my meals. Um, <laughs> Donna opening up the door, sliding an aluminum tray and with slop on it, shutting the door behind and, and, and two pieces of bread. Shawshank. Shawshank. Here we go. <laughs> That's right. And meanwhile, in Tony's closet, there's a hole behind a poster of Farrah Fawcett or something like that where he's trying to make his escape. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, good. Oh. But no, I, uh, yeah, just one day. It was kind of like when I had the vaccines. I mean, I didn't. It felt like I did that for one day, but other than that, but good. We, we had to be safe and nothing wrong with it. Got to be careful. Yeah. That, I'm, that's no more. I'm glad you're feeling better. That's excellent. I'm glad it didn't pass to anybody else. Awesome. But that means that we didn't get to play. You and I haven't played anything together since November. That's right. So we still want to get this episode out. I did have a chance to play a couple games. So y'all, we're going to be telling you, we're going to have two segments uh, on two different games. Here's the thing is. Tony now is going to be sitting in the chair of you, the listener. Mm-hmm. He knows nothing about this game, these games. So I'm going to be telling him or talking as I normally do for review. And he's going to critique my review. Does he understand what I'm talking about? And am I making any sense? Is he even interesting at all? So this will be kind of interesting right here. Um, I'm kind of worried about this. because I don't know how this is going to go, but I, I guess we'll find well, out. Well, I'm also going to do this like I would do a normal review. If I'm checking out a game, I'm not going, well, let's see. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's do the first one. Head over to shopportalgames.com and you can get in a whole bunch of pre-orders in. Basilica, which Marty and I talked about. Matter of fact, there's a special going on about getting the game mat. Then, of course, you've got the new solo player, that addition to Empires of the North, and that is, sorry, I was going to screw it up. I was going to say Wraith Lighthouse, but that's Wrath of the Lighthouse, so I almost screwed that one up. And don't forget, it goes to 11. World Cup's going on. One of Ignacy's favorite things in the world is watching the good old soccer match. Now he's got a strategy game about managing, not playing, a football club. You can pre-order that now. Build a team of your dreams. I'm very excited for this. Also, you can use the code RDTN to get a special 20% discount at Shop Portal Games US. Pick up some special maps, maybe Stronghold Undead map that you've been looking for, or some Hex Armies. I know I'm getting ready to use that code to pick me up some of the missing armies that I have from Hiroshima Hex. 
one of my favorite games that I get to play two-player as well. Head over to shopportalgames.com for all those beautiful portal games that even Marty and I mentioned in our 10 years of games. You heard us mention Robinson, Empires of the North, and Imperial Settlers. All right, so the first review I'm going to be looking into is a game that they got to play, and it's uh, Millie Fiore for Fiori by Reiner Canizia from Devere Games. So I'm, I'm now looking at it. So Marty, um, the first thing when I look at a review, I'm not going to look about how you play the game. One of the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, does it look pretty? Does it look interesting? So normally at this time on a podcast, it doesn't work. You could show me, I would be looking at the pictures, but aesthetically, how does this game look? Does it look pleasing to the eye? Is there cards involved? Are there dice? Is there a lot of boards? That is a great question. But first, Tony, I must start taking my first sip of my first uh, Miralax uh, mixture. So if you don't mind, as you ask me questions, I'll be sipping on this uh, Gatorade filled with uh, what's called grit-free unflavored powder. Well, you go ahead and do that. So I need to know, what's the game look like? Does it, is it even something, is the, is the artwork jumping out at me something? Is it bland? Did it jump off no, the table? No, it's not bland at all. In fact, what's really cool is, is you have these... Um, these little crystals that you're going to be putting out onto the board and they're clear. Okay. So that's really unique that everybody has these, uh, their own, uh, colored crystals that they're going to be placing out so you can track who covered what, but the, uh, the little crystals are, uh, translucent. So then you put it over, you can still see the, uh, the implements underneath it. So that's really kind of cool. So when you look at the board, it looks really cool with all the pieces on there. Okay. Are there a bunch of cards or is it just a board? Am I seeing just a board right now? Yeah. So there, there's a board, uh, there's the pieces that you put down and then there's cards uh, that you're going to be playing over the course of the game. And the cards are basically going to be the classic deal out some cards, pick one, pass, pick one, pass sort of deal. All right. So now you've got my attention because the crystals, you've got the cards, pick one, pass. So I would look, ask you about mechanics here in a second. So the next thing I'm going to look at is how many people does it play and how long? Because you know me, certain time constraints immediately get me to click off of a page. Well, let me tell you this. If you're looking for a game that plays in like 60 to 90 minutes for two to four players, this is it. Now, that's on the box. I will say this is pretty accurate. We played three players and probably played just under half an hour. Uh, but that was for our first game. Subsequent games got quicker. Now, do you feel like uh, best number of players? Would it be four, two, three? Because I always look at that as well. I don't think two would be as much fun because – a lot of the fun is covering up the different spaces on the board and blocking people out and interacting with other people and stuff like that. So that wouldn't exist with two players. So I think three and four would be best for this one. All right. And then another thing before I jump to the big kicker for me is I always look at the game mechanics. What are my core concepts or my core game mechanics that are going to be used in this game? Well, this is what's so interesting about this. So there's the drafting, which I mentioned, right? Okay, so, okay, so, so I, I saw card drafting. Okay, you, you got me sort of hooked. Okay. Yeah. The card is basically what you're going to use to determine where you're going to put your piece that turn. Mm. So you're going to pick up one of your pieces. The card will say, here's the section, colored section of the board. You're going to place one of your pieces. Each of these sections of the board are potential places for scoring points. Guess what the goal is? Well, I haven't gotten to the winning condition yet, but I'm going to assume it's victory points. It is. And so the, the card will tell you the color section to play the card. It also may have a symbol on there 
uh, that will say, okay, this particular crystal that you put down must cover a certain symbol. There's one section where that does not apply, but most sections are you must cover uh, the certain symbol that the card has on it. That's really the main system. That's all you're going to do on your turn. Select a card, place. Okay. And then score victory points? Depending on where you place, yes. Each section of the board scores totally different. There's one section where you're trying to get as many of your pieces contiguously together so they're touching each other. And every time that you add a piece to your contiguous segment, you get to score that segment. And as it gets bigger, you get more points. One is very simple where there's just a chain of icons around the area. And when you place uh, one of your tokens there, you're going to cover a number. And the number that you cover gives you that many points. Well, if you just so happen to continue one of your same colored chains, you rescore every link of that chain that's been placed before it. So I think that's what's, that's what's really kind of clever is if you see somebody starting to make a long chain, you need to break up that chain and get one of your pieces there so they can't keep, can't keep score, rescoring that same thing over and over, which goes back to the why I think it'd be more fun with a higher player count. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Reiner Knizia Games, and the way you're telling telling me this, I'm beginning to wonder: Is this like Vivid, the board game Vivid? So I'm I'm going to go search. So tell me a little bit more about how to play. What are some of the strategies that I need to do? break up chains? Got you there. Well, it depends on the section. You're all trying to get victory points, so you really got to monitor all these different segments on the board. Once like building pyramids and you have three levels of a pyramid, when you start the uh, second level of a pyramid, you're going to get a point for the second level. If you can cap off a pyramid, which is level three, you get six points. There's another one about building out fleets where you're covering, there's like a shipping section where there's three ship icons. And once three pieces are covering those three icons, you will ship anything that's to the right of those ships in a row, which is a whole nother segment of putting pieces out there to sell merchandise. And for every piece of merchandise that's there, that uh, stuff gets shipped onto boats, which can then score you points. There's actually a boat tracker. You have these really cute translucent boats that move around the bottom of the track that will give you points as you move along. But what's, I think one of the really cool twists is at the bottom of the board, there's always an area of cards that you can get some extra cards from. This is where combos come in. Every region has a way to take an extra action by playing a card at the bottom of the board. And those cards get there because you only play four of the five cards that are dealt to you. So five cards are dealt. Once everybody has played four cards, you take the leftover cards and put them at the bottom. But what you do is if you can, in each of the sections, if you could trigger the way to play an extra card, you get to claim one of those cards and immediately play it. So there are some really clever ways to make some combos of like, I'm going to play one of my cards. Oh, I just triggered the way to claim this card. Oh, cool. I'm playing this card to trigger this segment over here to claim another card. And Bert was really good at doing that. Okay. Bert's often really good at this. Okay. And honestly... That's the whole game. The whole thing is learning out each of the segments score and work. Mm -hmm. And uh, then it's just drafting for several rounds. Is it, well, we always say point salad when we, when we talk about his type of games. But uh, I'm not getting that feeling. 
it's not it's not really a point salad. It's literally when you look at your hand of cards, what do you think is the best way to score points that round? And here's the thing is you can hate draft. I was getting ready to score a whopping load of points on the very last round. You remember I talked about the one section with a long chain? Mm-hmm. I had a really kind of a long chain at that point. And Bert told Mark, you need to take one of the cards where you can put one of your pieces and stop Marty's chain because if you don't, he's going to score a buku amount of points if he happens to have that, is able to draft that card into his hand. So Mark says, but I can score more points this way, he said. But if you let Marty get those, he's going to get a lot. So he hate drafted, took that card, put one of his pieces down, and sure enough, I had a card to be able to continue my chain so I didn't get to. This is clever too. You don't get to see what cards are passed to you. So let's say we start a round. I draw. I take my uh, one of my five cards and put it face down. Each of us resolve our card. Then we get to pick up what was passed to us. So you can't plan ahead. Oh, you ahead. can't plan ahead. Oh, mm, okay, that got a negative. I really like that. So you can't you can't draft and then look at what's coming to you. You got to go with what you got. Now some people may not like that. Some people might want to be able to plan ahead, but I think that will cut down on AP. See, I was thinking the other. I was thinking it would create more AP. It it won't leave somebody sitting there planning out future moves because they don't know what's coming. So you can't AP from that. Right. But now you've got cards that you've got to readjust all your thought process. Yes, 100%. You may hope, please let me get one of these colored cards so I can put a piece in this particular segment, and you may not get it. All right. Now, one term we always hear when I look at this and I think of all these little cubes, crystal cubes everywhere, I think of the term fiddly. What's the definition of fiddly to you? That's a good question coming back. Fiddly to me is something that where it's a constant chore to maintain tracking, to understand where you're, okay, I've got to put this here and then we got to be careful not to move this or that. We got to make sure all the pieces are lined up. You know what I mean? That in order to see what's happening. Fiddly to me is something where you're constantly having to maintain so that you can understand what's going on. No, then it's not fiddly. There's not a lot of maintenance in this game. Uh, Literally, what you're going to do is after uh, five cards have been dealt out, you're going to continue to get another five cards. The number of rounds you play is dependent on the number of players. So, for example, for three players, we played seven rounds. The deck is pre-constructed to where that's the exact number of cards in the deck. Uh, so you know exactly how many is coming out. The biggest thing, the teach took a little bit of time because I have to go through each of these portions of the board to exactly explain how the scoring works in each one. Okay. There's a lot of little icons. There's a lot of little symbols. The actual actions you take can't be easier. Play a card, put a piece, one of your pieces in that uh, color section. That's it. Okay. Now, if this was a video review and I was watching it, I would then quickly go to your cons to see if any of these cons are my cons. And if you say there are no cons, then I'm going to throw up a red flag. There's always a con. I totally get that. So this game, I really enjoyed as I was playing it. I don't know that it's one of those things that was super memorable. Mm. Do know that it's one of those things that if, if I don't play it within a couple of weeks, I would have to relearn how the sections score again. Okay. And that was easy to do. It's easy to learn. It's just, you can, if you, if you're watching this video, just pull up a picture of the board. You can see mm-hmm. it's a busy board. It's a very There's a busy lot board. of spaces mm-hmm. on that board, right? And you got to interpret how each of the little sections work. 
It's one of those things that wouldn't come back to you naturally to kind of relearn. Oh, that's right. This section's about pyramids. Oh, that's right. This section. Oh, this is how the boats work. That sort of deal. And for you and I, hate drafting is not something that is a con. We, matter of fact, no, we, we, we appreciate no. the strategy behind it and we, in, we expect it to be part of a drafting game because other than that, it's just passing cards. That's strategy. Yes. You do have one other alternative on the card that you play. There is a number num, uh, number in the upper right of the card. If you don't want to place a, one of your pieces in that particular segment uh, that's indicated on that card, instead you can use that number, which is like a little nautical number, to advance your ship on a track. Okay. And advancing your ship on the track can give you some additional points. It can allow you to draw one of those uh, cards at the bottom and take an extra turn sort of deal. So if you just get stuck and got no place to put anything, you can always move your ship. All right. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I would see this. I would see the board. The board grabs me, so I want to find more out about it. It's got core mechanics that I would enjoy based on what I'm hearing. How you play. My my negative, based on what you're telling me, is I know this is a game that would only be for our game group. This is not something I would take home to Donna because especially two player i don't think two player would be that great right but it, oh that's a con then i don't think two player would be that good yeah, but I, all the multiple scoring after teaching her mm-hmm. so many games even if i were to teach other people i would be like very reluctant to have to do this now one thing i do like is kind of you score as the game goes that's nice you know exactly where everybody stands there's no at the end oh guess what i just nabbed 10 points because i did this you kind of see, ex- you know, the scoring is right before you know exactly what it's going to be. Right. After 10 years, you know me and my games. Is this one that I would enjoy playing with you? I think it would be, which is why at our last time, we were, the last time we were going to get together and play, I was going to mm-hmm. uh, bring this out to the table. So, yes, I, I do think, do you typically like Reiner Knizia games? Because it's, it's his style. I think some are hit or miss with me. Okay. But I think the this concept of the card drafting puts it more towards yes, I will enjoy this. Because you know how much I love drafting cards. And I knew that would be kind of a, a hit uh for you because we typically like, especially in a large group, we like the whole drafting thing, the take one and, and pass mm-hmm. uh sort of draft. So I knew that part uh, at least you would like. But you know, com- compared to like, have you ever played Yellow and Yangtze? Yes. Tigers and Euphrates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Complexity wise, I don't think it's nearly that complex. But he has this little thing. There's a lot of things that you can do in order to score points. And this is the same way. I do love the simplicity of uh, take a card, play a card. Hey, you liked My City, right? Uh, yeah, he just, I loved My City. So the same thing. That's what I was looking at it for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unfortunately, I just don't think it would fit as a two player game. So that is Millie Fiore, Rhino Canizia from Devere Games. So one of the things we thought we would do for this 10-year review is actually review 10 years of board games. And what we're going to do is Marty and I went through every year and looked at all the games and said, okay, we had our own criteria. Now, Marty may have had his criteria different than mine. Matter of fact, I know his criteria is different than mine. And we're going to talk to you for each year what game we picked that we thought met that criteria since we started in 2012. Hold on. What's your criteria? It depends. That's the, each game has a different one. Okay. I'll just, mine was one criteria. What's that? I had to have played it that year. 
It's because there are a lot of games that were released that I did not play the year it came out. All of these are games that I played that year. Okay. Mine was, how did it influ- influence my board gaming? Got it. All right. Okay. That's, that's, that's general criteria, but each one has a little story, but I don't want this segment to run long, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. We're going to start. Marty's going to do the even years. He's going to lead off, and I'll lead off on the odd years. For 2012, kick us off. This was a piece of cake. Netrunner, that's what kind of kicked off this show. That's one of the first games we talked about, and we talked about for a very long time. Uh, we had a whole video cast on it just last uh, about uh, Netrunner. So Netrunner, easily 2012 winner. And I'm surprised that you did not pick the same one that I did. No, because of Robinson Crusoe from the standpoint of going beyond pandemic, the Ignacy influence, and the fact that you mean a board game can be very mean and beat you up and crush your soul, which made me fall in love with board games even more because they weren't just a simple game anymore. It was a cooperative, strategic, hard-fought battle that gave you a sense of satisfaction when you won. That's why Robinson's so big for 2012 for me. If it hadn't been for Robinson, I don't know if I would have dived in as deep with the co-op games. So in 2013, we'll start off with, for me, Gravwell. That was the Gen Con year that I went, met Corey, and got to play Gravwell. It had one of my favorite mechanics, card drafting. And the game, I just love it. I just love it to this day. I will play it anytime. It's not deep. It's not hard. But it is very strategic for me, and it's very easy for me to teach people how to play it, and they fall in love with it too, just based on the fact of some of the interesting decisions you have to make from card drafting and card playing and how the mechanics or the interaction between the players works. Marty? For me, this is going to be Eldritch Horror. I had played the second edition of Arkham Horror, and this is the first game that came out when I really kind of was gotten, getting interest, interested in that theme of the game so this is the first game that came out that i got to the table and it's where vanessa really really got into playing arkham horror themed games and she just fell in love with this so because of that um, eldritch horror makes my list for 2013 2014 this was also a piece of cake i found out i love engine builders and how did I find out I love engine builders is when we went to BGG, sat with Ignacy, and he taught us Imperial Settlers, which is what we referenced earlier. I think that is an amazing game. Also uh, heavily influenced by me being able to meet with him and him become a good friend. So that was easy. And I don't see how you didn't put the same one on the list. Because I had a, one that impacted me more, Roll for the Galaxy. Ouch. Do you hear that, Ignacy? It impacted him more. Well, I've already gave him kudos with Robinson in that he... Oh, that's true. That, that's that true. he made me the gamer who I am. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. but Roll for the Galaxy was a game where you talked about Vanessa. This is a game where Donna went past her co-op games and the simplicity of very games where this was more strategic, where we had a dice mechanism and actually selecting things to interact with you know, you couldn't do a certain action if other people didn't do it. There was a lot going on there, but it was a game that not only I enjoyed playing, I enjoyed the engine type building that was going on there, as well as just the randomness of dice into that game. And it was also a game that she decided, hey, there's more to this than just pandemic. Because there for two years, that's all there was. If I was to give a runner up, and we're, we're not, because mm-hmm. I think you and I, Tony, we both said, Wow, there were some years there were some amazing games oh, yeah. released and it was hard to narrow it down. This was one of those. 
for the same reason. Vanessa fell in love with Roll for the Galaxy. I never had any idea that she would like something that's this strategic, this long, this deep, mm-hmm. and she loved it. So good, a good call that one. Roll for the Galaxy was it was good for my family too. Yeah. Now, 2015 brought about a whole legacy of games. See what I did there? But on thank you. All right, Pandemic Legacy built on that love of Pandemic, and now we have a first legacy game on the table. So well done by two amazing designers. And it was one that people were wanting to get to the table. When is next game night? When are we going to do this again? I want to see how this plays out. Wait, what do you mean you can tear up cards? Wait, the rules are changing? I don't understand. There's more strategy than just curing diseases? How in the world did they do this? Leacock and Davio, amazing job. And it brought into, well, kicked off the next legacy series forever. But it was an amazing game. Before we started our podcast, when we were gaming with our friends and only had like a couple games on the game shelf, one of our favorite was StarCraft, the board game. This is from uh, Corey Kaneska, and I absolutely loved it, but it went out of print. Well, in 2015, they did was they brought out a kind of a retweaked version of that, but based on the Warhammer 40K universe, and that was Forbidden Stars. And it brought back that mechanic that I love to take in your orders and placing them face down on the different spots on the board. And then those orders are resolved from top to bottom. I had amazing production, moving around space, you're fighting uh, people and stuff like that. I just love Forbidden Stars. And then FFG lost the 40K license and we never got the expansions that we so well deserved. So that's it. Okay. Forbidden Stars. 2016. I remember being at Gen Con. I went, oh my gosh. I love card games. I love living card games. I love Arkham Horror. So when Arkham Horror LCG came out that year, I was like, I am all into this. And here we are six years later, just did a full campaign over Thanksgiving. I am prepped and ready to go for the uh, next expansion, um, Scarlet Keys, that I'm going to be starting in January. So Arkham Horror had to go on the list because I am still loving it and playing it today. And for me, get ready for it, y'all. It's coming. All right, you got your throat clear. Are you good for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, so in 2016, Lorenzo. Lorenzo El Magnifico. El Magnifico hit the shells. Why is that game so important to me is the fact that here we had a dice game with very tight decisions and super combos, combos upon combos upon combos, having to make some hard decisions, deciding when to give up a certain action when you had to go uh, the religious track, which I forgot. I'm not going to look it up here. But you remember that religious track you had to do, Marty? That you, oh, yeah. yeah. And then we had the expansion that went on top of that with the various families, and the powers of the family. It was one of those games that just, I was like, wow. This Loved is amazing. It. I love this game. It's one of those that I will put on the table when someone goes, which one do you want me to play? It's your choice. If Pillars of the Earth would have been in this time, same, it would have been here. But this is the one that comes out after Pillars of the Earth. Love it. I also, too, love this game. All right. I was kidding, Marty, about his Arkham theme, but you're going to see a theme with me as well. Dice. 2017 Sagrada. There you go. Where Here comes an individual game that once again, Don's like, ooh, what is this? Wait a minute. We're playing a game, but I'm playing my own game other than you're drafting. So you got drafting, you got dice, and it's a game 
that frustrates the ever-living bejesus out of me. I cannot win this game. I never can win this game. So Sagrada, 2017. In 2012 is where I struggled with, oh man, Terra Mystica's on there, but Netrunner's on there. I got to give it Netrunner, but I love Terra Mystica's one of all my time Euro, favorite Euros. So which is why in 2017, when Gaia Project came out, which is like a space-themed version of Terra Mystica, but fixes a lot of the issues that I have with Terra Mystica, I had to throw it on there. Gaia Project is, it's funny, I still probably play Terra Mystica more, but Gaia Project actually fixes a lot of the things that I had issue with in Terra Mystica, so that's why I had to put it as my 2017 item. 2018. Okay, yeah, there's a theme, all right? You get to play a lot of games with 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 Donna. Mm-hmm. Like, you say you play Carcassonne a lot. Yes. Vanessa's not going to play a lot of long games. But so when she does, that's why I get excited, which you mentioned Roll for the Galaxy earlier, Arkham Horror 3rd Edition came out in 2018. I bought it. I bought every expansion. And she's the one that will sit and play every expansion with me, every scenario. So I still also play that game to this day, which is why I had to put it on the list. Is it because she enjoys the mystery the the, or is it the Arkham theme? Is that what it is? Arkham theme. Arkham theme. All right. And she likes the flow of the game. She likes picking a character to play mm. as, and she likes embodying that character, et cetera. All right. 2018 for me was, I'm not a party guy. I'm grumpy. And I know this. I know this for a fact. I mean, there were a lot of these, you know, social deduction games. And I'm like, I'm looking for the game that's just going to stick with me. And that's when just one hit the shells. To this day, if I am going to play a party game, I am going to play just one. It's beat out Decrypto. It's beat out. Oh man, why did it just leave my brain? The one where you got the words on the thing. Golly. Oh, what is that called? The words on the The thing. words in the five the by same five. same people? Five by five tableau of CG. Code names? Code names. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. I don't know why. <laughs> Give me a code names. We play it online all the time. But just one. That is the game I enjoy so much because I love the suspense that happens when you turn over the thing and uh, turn over your little writing sheet and everybody's like, oh, no, I did that too. 2019. Well, Ignacy's back on the charts. Empires of the North. Fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, you liked Imperial Settlers, but Empires of the North was the one I enjoyed more. And it's like, okay, okay I really like the action mechanics here. I like the factions he's doing. I liked Empires of the North in 2019. Of all the 2019 games, you know, that was the one that stood out for me. I love Empires of the North too. I probably will, if you gave me both and sit down in front of me, I will probably pick Empires of the North also. But... 2019 also started out a series that I've just grown in love with, and it's from Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson, and that's Undaunted. And this is Undaunted Normandy, which is the first one. And I remember sitting with David Thompson at Origins and him showing me this game, and I was blown away. I love deck-building games. At this time, I was still really, really into deck-building games. And I was like, oh, my gosh, a war game that uses deck-building mechanics? So I was really into it. And I just got uh, Undaunted uh, Stalingrad. Mm-hmm. I've taught my dad a game of it. We haven't started the campaign yet, but he wants to play a campaign. Oh, nice. So I am looking forward to playing through 15 scenarios uh, with this big old box experience. Uh, so Undaunted's there because I just think it's a brilliant system. Mm-hmm. They've come out with Undaunted, Normandy, North Africa, uh, the reinforcements, which adds stuff to both Stalingrad. And now next year, I'm so excited, which is one reason I'm teaching my dad the standard game right now. It's called Battle of Britain's coming out, which is going to be dogfights. Oh, that is cool. I'm still waiting for the Pacific. Yeah. 
You got it's got to be coming, right? Yeah, it's got to be coming. Come on, David Trevor's got to be coming, right? Ships in the Pacific. Come on, it's got to be battle there. of Midway. Who doesn't do a battle yes. of the Midway game? Got to. I mean, if it's yeah, come on, Osprey, please. Just everybody keep buying these games, so they'll have to keep making them. All right, twenty uh, twenty. Well, I'm going to go back to the game of the year that was for me that I had in the Squirrely Awards, and that's Lost Ruins of Arnak. I still think it's one of the also a very clever deck building game. That's some nice uh, Euro mechanics to it, but has a little bit of twist in where sometimes the card that you draft gets to go on top of your deck, so you immediately get it. Uh, the expansion is a lot of fun because it adds in different player capabilities. So uh, looking back on it, I still think it's my favorite game of 2020. Uh, yes, it, it was a good game back then, but I think for me, the expansion is what sold that, got that game for me. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, a pinchback riddle game, stellar. Two player yeah. game. I don't know what it was about this game, but it just grabbed me. There was some hard decisions in it. It was a simple game. You know, you're looking at the stars, you're trying to build these combinations of the various planets, colors, whatever you want to call it back then. Donna enjoys playing this game. It is one of our favorite next to Carcassonne. This is the other two-player game that I can get on the table. It plays so fast. So Stellar was one of those games in 2020 that just, you know, I was like, okay, let's play this. Let's play this. Let's keep playing this game. So I enjoyed Stellar. It was also one of the ones where I began to shift my collection over to only two-player games. And the reason why is, hey, I see the writing on the wall. Sometime Marty's going to go retire somewhere into the mountains i'm going to be on the beach somewhere or i'm going to be in orkney raising sheep i don't know but that time's coming but you've got another 10 years people of listening to us so that's exactly right yep all right so uh hey hey, it's odd it's my turn oh i'm sorry yeah so i was excited to talk about the next i know you are so 2021 there was a game that came out so good it had car drafting placement it was brian borut Oh my gosh. So Why good. have we not played this again? I love that game, hey, man. Oh. Jeez. Okay, we got a big game day coming up. We got to play it at least once. You know another game that somebody, I'm sorry, Squirrel, another game, uh, uh, Inish. Uh, somebody posted a picture of Inish the other day, mm-hmm. and I forgot. Oh my gosh, I love that game too. That was another good game. Yeah. But I'm, oh, we got to get Brian Borg. Sorry. Yeah, All right, yeah. Brian Borg. That, that to me was one of the games where I was like, ooh, this is, uh, it's got, it's got all the mechanics I love, the time period. It was so good. Enjoyed that game. What about you? Yeah. So for me, looking back over my list, a lot of it has to come with some experiences, games I've played that just give me a lot of good memories. 2021, we played a few games of Clash of Cultures, uh, the Monumental Edition, uh, which was kind of the re-release. I just, it was just like, I loved sitting at the table with you guys playing a Civ game like this. And with the fog of war and the tech trees, it just really scratches a lot of itches for me. I understand it's not a game I'm going to get out to the table a lot, but the times that we played, I absolutely loved it. And I believe it was my game of the year for last year also, so Clash of Cultures. I didn't choose all my games of the year. Uh, these were games like we were talking about, our various criteria. These are just games that have impacted me. Doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. you know, if I go back and give squirrelies to all of these, yeah, I would, you know, but that's the way it goes. But so for us over the past 10 years, by the way, 2022, Marty, I don't see a game here. Why not? Uh, because everybody needs to watch or listen for our Squirrely Awards. It's going to be coming sometime probably in Q1 of next year. Well, we'll announce our 2022 picks of the year. Yeah, we don't want to be any spoilers here. We don't want I mean, no, we want to make sure we want to listen to that one. I know. We got to make sure you listen to something. So once again, by all means, send us over some comments, put it in the YouTube 
tell us how we're so wrong that we screwed up. We're used to that. But those were our games that we felt have really impacted us here on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Look, the holidays are over. But you know what? Maybe you didn't get what you wanted. You sit there and think, man, I wish I had like a, a gift card for myself. I could buy something maybe in, in like 2023. Well, why don't you run on over to MiniatureMarket.com where you can earn a $10 bonus card for January with any $100 gift card purchase. That's right. Spend $100 and get a $10 bonus card and then just make sure to use that $10 in January, but then you got that $100 to use anytime that you want because you know here we go. We're going to start hearing about all these big games coming out in 2023 and you have a gift card sitting in your pocket ready to go. And don't forget about our contest with the miniature market where you could possibly win a $10 gift card. And as always, y'all, you find a mistake in the show and it's a legit valid mistake. We'll give you a $5 card to miniature market. So head over to miniaturemarket.com. Look at their wares. Buy yourself a gift card. As part of the 10-year celebration of rolling dice and taking names, Donna has been roped into coming back on to talk about a game that we got to play recently when we were on our trip. Hey, babe, can you believe it's been 10 years since Marty and I started this podcast? No, can't believe that at all. And why is that? Seems like 20. Why 20? Why? Why 20? Just forever. Okay, you do know Marty and I have known each other longer than you and I have. Yes, I'm aware of that. Okay, well, that's not why we're here. We're going to talk about rage. Not not the rage that we're feeling about having to do this review with me. It's about the card game called Rage, which has been out for quite some time, that I picked up while we were on our cruise, and it was at a game store in Thessaloniki. At my urging, I might add. Wait, what? No, it was not at your urging, was it? Yes, I was standing there and there was the rack of card games and uh, we were looking at them and there were some on there that we had already tried and I said we should try uh, one of these and you weren't sure you wanted to get one, but we got this one. So what stood out about, all of all these games, what stood out about Rage? Do you remember anything that stood out? Um, it was by the same maker, I think, as some of the other ones that we've played in card games, except it had no English instructions. <laughs> Thank goodness for BGG and having English instructions. I was able to pull them up and read them that night. Rage reminds us of one of our favorite card games, and that game is... Opashaw, Oh Hell, Damn, I forgot what else it's called. I mean... This is a family show, so we won't go into that. For those who have not heard me talk about Opashaw, it's a betting game or a trick-taking game where you're trying to figure out how many tricks you're going to take. But with Rage, there's these special cards that, when played, can change Trump, cancel Trump, add points to people's score, or subtract points from their score, as well as if you make your bid, you get 10 points, and if you miss your bid, it's minus 5 points. And there's some variants that can be played. So impressions that's really what we're going to talk about on this what do you think well I love Opashaw so I liked the game I liked the twist to it I liked that you could cancel Trump and then there was just no Trump and kind of stick somebody with it um, you could change Trump if you needed to I think bidding seemed to be a little harder because you can't predict what Trump is that Trump is going to stay what it's 
as the same thing through the whole round. You start at 10 and work your way down, where when we play Opashaw, we go up from 1 to 10 if we only have like five players, and then back down. And so it, it's kind of quick because you're only doing the one round from 10 to 1. But I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a good spin on Opashaw. And I can see where a variant is where we could do the same thing, 1 to 10, and then 10 to 1 or back down. Now, one thing that is important to note is, of course, as you get less cards, the chance of these special cards coming up is going to be fewer and far between. One of the things about I enjoyed is when you cancel the trump, hopefully the card that turns over that's trump next isn't something that's big in your hand. Or it can mess up someone's bid where suddenly they don't think they're going to take it, and then all of a sudden all these cards that are now trump come up and they're messed up. You're right. It makes bidding especially hard. Was there anything that you didn't like about it? No. The only thing I didn't like has nothing to do with the play of the game and more about the cards themselves. They're in colors, and I don't remember the exact colors, but they're like red, orange, yellow, blue, purple, I think. I don't remember. But like the red and the orange are very close together in color and hard to distinguish, especially if you don't have bright enough lights. And there is no modification on there for anybody who's colorblind. You know, most of the time when you play a game that has colors on it, there's an imprint in the background or a shape or something. And, you know, normal cards have clubs, spades, hearts, you know, that kind of thing. You always have the ability for a colorblind person to look at the shapes and that is not on here. And I am not colorblind and red and orange were very close together. Very hard to distinguish. So nothing about the play of the game. I thought the play of the game was fun. Sometimes the only thing in your hand is one of the special cards. And, you know, then you're kind of stuck. But I, I found bidding to be much more of a challenge because you don't know what Trump is, that Trump is going to stay the same through it or that somebody else isn't going to change Trump. And I messed myself up throwing a card one time that canceled Trump. And when you cancel Trump, it doesn't come back as what it was. It comes out as something new. And I had what was Trump in my hand that I had bid on. Then I canceled Trump. And then, of course, the next card wasn't the same thing. So I messed up my bid. But I liked it. I thought it was fun. Plays up to eight people. It has five suits, not four, which I think is why you can probably play up to eight people because there's more cards. It goes uh, one to 15, I think. Oh, zero to 15. I liked it. I'm glad I talked you into buying it. I'm glad you talked me into it because when I looked it up, I said, well, you know, because somebody was saying, uh, our friends were playing, saying, well, we should pick this up. And I looked it up online and you can't get it. So it's one of those hidden gems, you know, that you say, oh, wow, we found it in the store on a dusty card rack. Once again, there were no English rules to it. So it's been sitting there a while, but it was overall the fact that it can go you've got 15 cards in a suit and so many cards i can definitely say playing with four five six this would be a fun game and the more people you get the more challenge you're going to have with it what do you think would be the probably do you think playing with more people would make it a lot more fun i think it's going to change the way it plays but that's true for opasha too the more people you have playing um it just changes the game. It doesn't make it harder. It doesn't make it easier. Um, I was looking at the back of the box, and there's some on here that you can kind of read. Like, it's only a two on the scale for, like, family or expert thing. So it's not a difficult game. Strategy-wise, it's a two out of five. And then it says turbulent. 
and it's a three. So I, I, I don't know what that's supposed to be in English, but I think turbulent is a really good word for it because it's just one of those things that it changes as you go through it. Playing with somebody who doesn't know what trick-taking games are or you need to teach them, my recommendation is you teach Opashaw or something along those lines first where Trump changes, like an Opashaw game where you're doing that, before you throw in these other cards because I think it's harder for somebody who's new to that kind of a game to understand what's happening when you're changing Trump and why you would do it and how you would bid. So I think it's easier to teach an Opashaw than it is to teach this one. Um, not that it's difficult, but it just it's another dynamic I liked. Well, thank you for coming on the 10-year celebration. And if you want, I'm sorry, the contest is not open to you. we got a big contest going on. So be sure to get your entries in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And here's to another 10 years. Are you going to come on in another 10 years? Do you remember when you and Vanessa did an entire show? Yes, I do. We did it in their basement, actually, at their card table. And that was a show on Mother's Day for our first year. I can't believe it's been that long ago. Can you? No, it doesn't really seem that way. But, you know, we're not aging at all, and our kids aren't aging at all. So, you know. Well, Tony, I know you haven't been to our past couple of game nights, but still rolling out that nice Game Toppers man out there to put uh, games on the table. And that's what uh, what we did on our next game. We're going to be playing is uh, Wayfarers of the South, South Tigris. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, it was it, it took up a lot of space here. Uh, in fact, we were kind of off the mat because the main board kind of fills up that entire map. But now we do have the smallest map that GameToppersLLC.com offers. You can get uh, you can start getting increasing size there. I mean, you can get up all the way. I've got the biggest one out here. I've got the uh, is it the six by eight mat uh, down on my table downstairs. You've got a decent. What mat size do you have? I have uh, uh, is the the six by eight as well that. And one of his more or less, or the more or less, that's, that's brilliant. It's one of his designs that I think he was, you know, the uh, Roman, ancient Greek one that has the oh, Colosseum. Yeah. And matter of fact, it's sitting on the table right now. We were playing games the other night and so enjoyed having that out on the table as well as now it has a puzzle on top of it. Oh, so now it's going to be rolled out there for a while. Well, no, it's only a 500 count puzzle. So Donna will be done with it in about three days. But I did see where, and I hope people took advantage of it. He was running a special on these mats. Yes. And, and they, they are, they are premium mats. I've said this before. Unfortunately, it's over. Unfortunately, it's, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> so like I said, I hope you got it, took advantage of this. It was really good deal. It was 15% off all mats and accessories. And it came with a free map bag. I mean, the map bag is a super nice. So, again, it's one of those things that you want to make sure to keep an eye out over at GameToppersLLC.com. Because Kevin says every once in a while he just drops these little sales and stuff like that. Plus, obviously, if you're looking for the get big game a topper table, he has those theirs. Now you have game toppers with legs. So, if you're looking for a great game playing experience with a special piece of furniture that's made specifically for gaming or maybe you just want a nice mat head up or head over to gametoppersllc.com which is what we had for the next game tony that i guess you're kind of interested in as a listener mm -hmm. and a person who might be interested in uh way pharaohs of the south tigris uh which is from 
Jim Phillips and S.J. McDonald from Garfield Games. And that name sounds familiar because, Tony, you've played a lot of their previous games, starting out with the one that we super loved, which is Raiders of the North Sea. Raiders of the North Sea. So, first thing I'm going to do on, when I start looking at this one is I start my review, dive into it, see if it's something I want. First off, I'm going I throw up a flag. I'm going to say, okay, how is this different? from all the other ones that are out there, and are they just throwing mechanics on top of mechanics to make it different? That's the first thing that's going to enter my mind, and I'm going to look to you, Mr. Podcast Reviewer. Convince me that it's not the same old, same old with a whole bunch of complexity because why would I put it on my table? A lot of the previous games that we've played from his are very heavy, heavy worker placement Are they heavy? I'm using that term incorrectly. One of the main mechanisms of the games is worker placement. Mm -hmm. Not that it's a heavy game strategy-wise. A main thing was worker placement of its previous games that we played. Worker placement exists here, but I don't think that's really the driving mechanism now because there's also a dice mechanic. There's a dice placement mechanic. But really, this is a tableau builder. A ta yes, because you're, yeah. you're building out your personal tableau by doing things like maybe placing a worker or maybe placing a die to get cards from the main board and add to your tableau. Right. Now, when I was reading the rules, because I was planning on playing this, I was reading about the tableau builder. I enjoy tableau builders. So that, yes. that kicked off my first interest. But what I'm hearing you tell me is it's not like Raiders. The artwork's the same. You remember in several games after Raiders, there was the concept of you put down a worker and then the next person, and, and then you pick up a worker, put down a worker, pick up a worker. Yes, love that. Love that. That's not in this. Okay, not liking that, this. It, and it's, hold on. It's not exactly the same way. So let me set this up. So where do the workers come? Okay, on your turn, you got three choices. You can either place a worker, place a die, or rest. That's the only options you have. Okay, and you got die, so now I'm back interested. Yes, yes. So you start out with a certain number of your colored dice that you're going to roll at the beginning. When the game starts, you're going to have two workers. You're going to have a blue worker and a yellow worker. Everybody gets those. So you don't have workers of your own color. Okay. Which is kind of like Raiders of the North Sea. Remember, you didn't have your oh, yeah. own colored workers on that one yeah, either. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So that one is kind of the same. What happens is on the board... There are cards that are placed around the board, and these cards are the ones that you're going to be able to buy to add to your tableau. There's land cards to extend at your land. There's sea cards. There's sky cards that you can put on top of either land or sea cards. There's enhancement cards, which is basically in-game scoring that can go under sky cards. Mm -hmm. And then there's townsfolk's cards that can be tucked underneath either land or water cards, which kind of enhance those. Mm -hmm. uh, you have the board. You have a section of townspeople laid out. You have a section of land. You have all the cards laid around the board. Those cards are right below a space that also has a little action on it. To way to activate that action, take one of your workers, place it on that card, take that action. So I'm, I'm looking at these cards because I'm um, sitting here thinking, okay, how's this going to work? I place that worker and I see these icons on this thing. Yeah. One of them is very simple. Get money. Get money. Place a worker here. You can get some money. If I pay something, I may be able to get other things, right? Kind of like a resource exchange. Yes. Okay. Yes. There are things that you can do in order to get cards. You might place a worker that says, okay, hey, you place a worker here. 
draw three cards from the land deck and keep one. Mm, okay, I can do that. So, so there's various actions I can take. Yes. Now here's the here's the here's the kicker. So these workers are going out on these cards, right? We're placing these workers. We're taking these actions above it. Let's say, for example, I place a worker on a townspeople card and take the action. All right, I'm done. Next person, let's say it's you, goes, hmm, well, I'm going to place one of my worker down here where it says, oh, I get to take one of the townspeople cards. You have your choice of townspeople cards. But if you take the one that has any workers on it, you get to keep those workers to use in future turns. Mm -hmm. So that's how workers come off the board. Okay, so by drafting the card with a worker, I get the worker. Ding. That's so it. To, you add, and you add that to your tableau. So it may not be a very great card that helps my tableau, but it lets me get worker. So it's a kind of a give and take thing that's going on here. Where right? Because one of the neat things when I was reading the rules was that when you put building this tableau, and I thought it was very interested as you build it across, certain actions on the cards can activate if you line it up next to another card that has a lightning bolt to it. So as you're building this really cool mosaic scene, tableau, whatever, you're lining up cards such that you, oh, I've just placed this lightning card next to one. It lines up to this other one. I get this quick action right then. That was really cool. That looked neat. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but basically if I have uh, it was a C card and I take another C card and put it mm-hmm. right to the right of it, if the lightning bolts, like you said, line up on the right side and left side of the card, you immediately get something. Townsfolks that go underneath cards may have a lightning ability where you immediately get something. But lots of times, a lot of the townspeople's cards, townsfolks' cards, where when you took the action of that particular card that's tucked underneath, it may give you something. So now the dice placement action. Yeah, tell me you can about place this. Place a worker if you have it. You can place dice. Now, on your tableau, you have a table that shows values of dice one through six. And underneath it, you have some spaces that you can fill in with little tokens that you can cover up on the the rows and columns underneath those dice values. The number one, if if you happen to look at it, has a camel underneath the number one. And there's a telescope underneath the number six. If you place a die over a die space that requires a camel or a telescope. Let's say it's a telescope. If you're going to place a die over something that requires a telescope, you better place a die that has the telescope icon unlocked. Right now, that's the number six die. Okay. So if I want to take a dice placement action, it has a telescope, and I have a six available, I take it. If I want to take a camel action, I need to place a one. But you're like, well, Marty, wait a minute. There's a bird. Well, yes, there is. Because back on the main board, there's a way to uh, get these pieces. Uh, Maybe they're like uh, a single piece or or two across that you can take and place on your table underneath your dice numbers. And those may have a bird on them. You can place it wherever you want, thus giving the value of that die now a bird icon. So if you want to place a die in a space that requires a bird, you need to place the value that matches where you have a bird icon for that die. Okay, I'm going to have to just play it from there. So now you see how it sounds when people listen to us about a game. Well, <laughs> and it's very hard. I tried to explain it as best as I could. Basically, you, you assign these uh, tokens 
to the values of dice. So now those die have those particular icons available to them. So then when they're placed, they can meet the requirements that may be needed for placing dice. And I think that's one of the things you have to get across to everyone to get across to this listener is that what are some of the key things that I might enjoy based on Raiders that I've had in the past that I would enjoy and what hooks do they bring into the game now? The tableau with these instant actions, this removing of the workers by taking a card that may not be as beneficial to you, but you get more workers. Oh, now wait, you've got some dice that you need to account for as well. And I didn't even ask you how you win because I know with this these games, you're going to win with the most victory points and you have some in-game scoring. It's not like there's some hidden stuff, I'm sure. Correct. So so I don't even need to ask you about that because I know these games and I know that's what I'm what's coming to the table. There's there's not hidden stuff. You can't see what people have done. Oh. There is in-game scoring based on how well that you've done. Not 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 hidden. I'm sorry, I didn't mean hidden, but it's it's in-game scoring. Yes. Now the main board uh, is basically you're taking your color pieces of tokens and moving them across the board. There's a journal action. And every time you take a journal action, you can start migrating from the left of the board all the way to the right. It's a race to the end. The first person that gets to the end triggers the end of the game. But as you move across the board, there are certain requirements that you must have. Uh, to go into certain zones, maybe you need a certain type of card. Maybe you need a certain type of land card uh, with an icon in the upper left or a C card with an icon in the upper left. And when, if you meet those requirements, when you take a journal action, you can move your piece across into a new area, which typically gives you a bonus. That's how you unlock additional dice for your dice pool. That's how maybe you unlock a green meeple, which is the most powerful meeple of all that can be placed anywhere. The blue and yellow have restrictions on where they can go, but the green can pretty much go anywhere. Uh, they'll give you benefits, or maybe it's placing one of your influence pieces in one of the three guilds. Now, this is kind of cool. The guilds are basically an extra action that you could take on your turn. Let's say that you want to spend uh, one of your influence tokens from the guild that allows you to modify uh, dice. You can move you know, dice up or down. Uh, you can use maybe an influence token to meet the requirement of requiring a boat icon. So the three different guilds do three different things for you. And so you're, there's ways to in, put influence markers into those gills so they're available to you in future turns. So that's one way you uh, mitigate bad dice rolls. There are ways that you can increase and decrease the value of the die if you need them. All right, I'll try it. I'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm not worried about a con for this game because I enjoy Raiders, so I'm always willing to do that. I could probably see a couple cons with some AP going on here on the selecting of the cards and trying to, do I go ahead and take this card now and, or am I going to have to wait later? I can see that happening. And was there any hate positioning going on where you're known? Not that I saw, but I had a con in the game. Uh, the first game that I played uh, potentially, not potentially it was, <laughs> I, uh, when I got to a certain area of the board with my uh, piece and I need to make the next move to the right in my journal, I did not have the requirements to move to the right. And it required certain icons on cards or maybe a certain type of land card. One was like a library. The library cards were not coming up. I would purposely take actions to take the top three land cards to, to be able to take one and put it in my tableau that had the library icon. I couldn't find one. Mm. So I was digging through the decks, trying to find the cards just so I could move my journal piece. And Meanwhile, Bert and Mark were just way ahead of me. 
by the end of the game, they, they triggered the end of the game and I was still stuck on the second space because I could not find the card I need to move to the right. So I thought, oh, that's just dumb luck. It was bad luck because I watched another review person's review of this game and they said the exact same thing. They got stuck mm. and could not move their piece to the right because they couldn't find what they needed because the card draw was just bad for them. Even when they purposely tried to draw the top three and, and hope that you could find what you need, it just never worked out. So I felt I was spinning my wheels trying to move that one piece where everybody else was building out their tableau. Okay. Interesting. That's that's bad. That's not good. That irritated me. That's why uh, I, I need to play again and see if that happens uh, or try to make sure that don't move my piece into an area where I you can't, use can't it. meet the requirements to continue moving. Okay. So that may have been on me, but I swear I thought I would have been able to find that one icon I was looking for, the library icon. Yeah, I understand that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm still going to play it, and we'll definitely see if that's the case and see what my thoughts are on I mean, I've, I'm going to give this one a chance. Am I dying to play it based on your description? I, I'm kind of on the fence with this. You know how sometimes you see, oh, i got to play this. With this one, like I said, love and love Raiders. What do I need to bring this to the table over Raiders? And Architects, did you like Architects of the West Kingdom? I, I see they all run together. That's the problem. They do. That's that's the problem. I know I loved Raiders, um, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to remember. I'm getting a couple of them confused. I have one that's a big box of something, but I don't know if that's the the Raiders. I have a big box in there. I can't. No, no, that's not. That's a different game. See, they all had that same. You know, we talk about nature themes and how yeah. how we're doing this here. There was a whole bunch of Viking games at once. So right. <laughs> so now, right. so now it's not a Viking game. I will say that. Okay, artwork's the same. I saw that. So yep. Yeah. All right. So and it definitely has that same look and feel. So it is not like Raiders of the North Sea. It is definitely beyond that. The uh, the dice is kind of cool. That's unique. It's still a that I like the concept. It's more of a tableau building game. So that is different. I did get messed up with the card draw, and I've heard another person say that too. So maybe that's just the nature of the beast. Maybe it'll play a little bit better. It's like, hey, don't move your place into a spot that you feel like. Oh, now that's where. There was some player interaction here where there was a library card on the table. I was getting ready to buy it and somebody bought it before me. Gotcha. So I didn't, I never got a chance to buy it sort of deal. So that's just kind of what happened. Plays one to four players, 60 to 90 minutes. That is Wayfarers of the South Tigris. I at least talked Tony into at least uh, trying it. It is out from uh, Garfield Games. Hello, Vanessa, and welcome to the uh, 10th anniversary episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Yay! <laughs> the crowd goes crazy. So I went and looked this up. The first episode you ever appeared on was back in May of 2013. It was the 11th episode. <laughs> it was for Mother's Day, oh. where you and uh, Donna and one of our friends, Casey, came on to talk about... Uh, gaming with uh, children and just yep. gaming with the family and everything. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, ten years. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, almost ten years ago. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That is incredible. That congratulations, Marty and Tony. Y'all have. Well, here's the thing. Really and, done a great job. And Tony would say this too. If it wasn't for y'all's support, we wouldn't be able to do it because you have been super supportive for the past ten years and supporting everything that we do and even coming on and. And doing things like this and doing the intro and everything. So 
really, I really, really appreciate you being a part of this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. And I will tell the listeners out there, I don't know how long would you say it, it takes a while to get something like this going. In the beginning, there were, I don't know, three, four years where it was a lot. Uh, yes, you mean just trying to get it off the ground and everything like yeah, that. And we yeah. actually said at the beginning of the show, we had no idea that this show would even gain traction. It was mm-hmm. more or less just for fun. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you said, hey, Tony and I want to start a podcast and sit around and talk about board games. And I don't know what Donna thought, but I was like, really? I mean, it's <laughs> so my thought and my question is, after 10 years, how do you keep from recycling material? <gasps> because... Listeners, Marty will retell a joke. How dare you? (laughs) You mean many times over the years? And I know we've said that before. And if we're around a new group of people and he tells the same joke and I don't laugh, he's like, why don't you laugh? So I wonder if there's been any recycled material in the podcast. But anyway, I digress. But you are on here because we are going to be talking about a couple of games that you and I got to play. But first, I'm going to mention a game uh, that the OP sent us called uh, Dungeons and Dragons Trivial Pursuit. Now, did you uh, play Trivial clever. Pursuit in the 80s? We did. We played Trivial Pursuit. And I, I loved it, but I really stunk at that game. I really <laughs> liked it, too. And that's where I learned that games with dice without dice mitigation, I really do not like. Meaning, man, I just need that. I just need to roll to land on this category. I need this one last piece, and it won't let me uh, get that number. I can't get that number. Designers have come out really clever ways over the over the years to be able to have things where you could modify a die or something like that, Wait which I think minute. is cool. Wait a minute, you just said something very profound. I did. Or yes. was it? Because I don't remember saying anything profound. Maybe that is where my love of dice came from. Because I just love holding dice and rolling dice. And it hasn't always been that way. Like, I, I don't know what made me like dice so much. Maybe some of us are just born with that inner love of dice. <laughs> and you have always really liked dice games. Always. Always. And I like the fact to just roll it and do what it says. That I don't have to think about what to do. I'm just going to roll the dice and do what it says. And win the game. See, I'm jumping ahead to the two games that we're oh, going to yeah, talk no, about, and yeah, I'm really excited yeah, about it, so let's are. go back right, to yeah. this. <laughs> so Dungeons & Dragons Trivial Pursuit. So they sent us this to play, and here's the thing, y'all. I only superficially know facts and stuff about Dungeons & Dragons. And so I was looking at the categories here. It's magic and, how do you pronounce that word? Miscellany? I guess so, yeah. Miscellany. Then history, monsters, dungeons and adventures, characters, cosmology. And so I opened up the uh, the cards and was reading through and went, wow, I know like none of these. It was really interesting stuff. It really was. It was about lore and some of the characters that you run across in the game. And the history was really interesting about how the, the, you know, the game got started and stuff like that. So I said, all right, so I will not do well. But my son, who has a bunch of his friends over, say, yeah. they come over and play Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them know a lot of the D&D lore. So mm-hmm. I handed this off to him and them and I said, okay, y'all play and tell me what you think. Oh, they actually played it? No, they played it, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize that. He came back and said, wow, that's hard. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, you really, really need to know your D&D trivia in order to play this game. And, you know, these guys played a lot of the Dungeons & Dragons themed video games and stuff over the years. They had the D&D books. They've played through it and stuff. Uh, Travis is really into the character Drizzt. 
or oh, Dritzt. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. So he's read a lot of the, that series and stuff like that. So if you're interested in Trivial Pursuit D&D, realize you need to be pretty hardcore. Uh, this is definitely for a group of gamers who really understand Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe a good way to play this, Vanessa, isn't individually, but get groups. Maybe have a group of two or three play together as a, as a team, oh, and so okay. they can work together. I think if I if the boys played again, that's probably what they do. Maybe split up into two teams and try to tackle it that way. I think it's very clever. And looking at this, the markers look really neat. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, the production is is top notch. So yeah, that's out. The the OP made this Dungeons and Dragons Trivial Pursuit. Really cool if you're into the into D and D. But the two games that we want to talk about, and I'm not sure which one you want to hit first. Let's do Holly Jolly. Would you say it was a Holly Jolly <laughs> Christmas? I had a very Holly Jolly Christmas, and I didn't put anything on a Christmas list, which made my whole family very upset. Stressful. That's but called I kept stress. Saying, Don't be stressed. It's like I anything would be wonderful, and it turned out that everything was wonderful. When there's no list and no thought of what you might want or need. Everything was just perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you. But, By the way, the, the voice I was using earlier, what's Marty doing? That's from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes. It's lying from that. So. But I was, I was wondering, mm-hmm. if you, talking about recycled material, we, we may have done this little jingle in the past. I okay. can't remember. Do you remember this growing up? And it would come out immediately after Christmas. And I cannot sing, so forgive me in advance. Almost everything you wanted but didn't get for Christmas is on sale now at Sears. I don't remember that. You don't? No. Man, I hope there are people out there who remember that. You don't remember that? No. Oh, yeah. So I guess we haven't recycled that No, no we have not recycled that. Yeah. This, okay. Almost everything you wanted but didn't get for Christmas is on sale now at Sears. And they would show people opening, you know, like a tie. 80s, 90s? Uh, Any idea? Maybe 70s. So did you get the Sears catalog and like go through it and like circle stuff that you wanted for Christmas? I know we've had to have talked about this before. Yes. Run to the mailbox every day. And get the So here we had service catalog. merchandise. That was a catalog that we circled oh, yeah, here. Yeah, we Sur- got service you merchandise. Service merchandise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love service merchandise. <laughs> I remember like getting like circling the uh twenty Atari twenty six hundred games that I wanted. Oh. And then Sears came out and Sears has their own brand of Atari twenty six hundred. Do they? They did. It was okay. it was a uh they made their own brand of the games that also worked on the console. Well, here's why I sang the jingle. Yes. Because if if you got everything you wanted or if you didn't get everything you wanted, these two games are fabulous, and I had the best time playing Holly Jolly. And no kidding, the day that we played this, I was doing a lot of house cleaning mm-hmm. and knew nothing about the game. Right. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, you know, maybe we need to come up with a game where you have to decorate a tree and put like ornaments on it mm-hmm. and lights on it. I wish I had told you so that you would know that, that it wasn't like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And you pulled out this game and that's exactly what it was. So this game is by Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback, uh, who we're huge fans of. They come out with some really clever rolling rights and card games. And the past two card games of theirs that we covered on this show was Sebastrol and Stellar which both of them are amazing games. There are games that where when you read the rules, it's very straightforward, but very thinky. This one, Holly Jolly, is also very easy to understand, very easy to play, but probably more accessible uh, to family members and stuff because I took this over to my parents for Christmas 
and play with my dad and my sister. And they had no problem at all picking this game up. It's kind of a light set or card collection game where you're trying to earn the most victory points over time. Yeah, yeah. I loved the art on it. It had that kind of vintage look with the toys. Mm -hmm. And so first... Let me say this. You set the cards out, and they are in the shape of a Christmas tree. So there's an ornament deck, and you populate the shape of the tree with the ornament cards. Okay. And then underneath the tree, there's gifts and stockings. Yes, yes, yes. And the gift and stockings, uh, basically, when you pull them off the deck, the stockings are always face down, and the presents are always face up. So... Uh, you always know what you're going to get when you have an opportunity to grab those cards. And right above the trunk of the tree, there's three cards that will either be tinsel or lights. And off to the side, you have a deck of tinsel light cards and a market of three cards that you get to pick from. On your turn, you'll pick one of those cards. It'll be tinsels or lights. And you're going to cover up one of those other three cards that's already in the tree. Whatever card you put down, you're going to count the value of that card plus any either of the other two cards, which also are the same type. So if there's three light cards there and I put down a tinsel card, I'm going to count all the tinsel cards. Well, now there's only one. Mm -hmm. But if there's, you know, two tinsel cards and one light and I take a light and cover one of the tinsels, Mm -hmm. then I count that light card plus the other light card and come up with the value. Mm -hmm. If the value of those cards equal one of the values of the ornaments in the tree, Mm -hmm. I take that. Yes. Yep. If it does not match one of the values, I get to claim one of the stockings or presents underneath the tree if it's less than a value of five you get uh, one of the two cards if it's greater than six you get one of those two so you're trying to earn victory points Mm -hmm. that are labeled on the cards Mm -hmm. and you do that by choosing either your tinsel or your light card to equal to the amount that you want and at the very top there's a star and you had to get 11 points for the star. Yes, you had to get all your cards. The Some of the light really cards or tinsel cards <laughs> had to equal 11, which was a little bit tougher to get. Yeah. You could claim one star that was worth six points. You think, okay, Marty, what's the big deal? You're just claiming cards. Well, here's the thing. The cards all do different sort of things. Yes. So, for example, the snowflake cards. If you have at the end of the game one snowflake card, is worth two points. If you collect two snowflake cards, of the course, the game is worth five and then if for everyone you get, it's going to increase the value of the points. So that's a typical thing you see in a lot of games. The more of one thing that you get, the more points you'll get at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And some cards allow you to, if you had the most, you would score those points differently. Yes, some like the, the snowman. Cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever has the most snowman, each of the snowmen were four points. Everybody else is worth two points. And then I remember there were trains, and if you had the engine and the caboose, that was worth so many. But those were the gifts underneath. Yes, yes, So yes. those weren't the ornament cards, but so if you saw a train uh, engine come up, and you already had the caboose, then maybe the values that you wanted to add up together didn't equal one of the ornaments on the trees and gave you a value that you could claim that engine underneath the trunk. Oh. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of strategy yeah, in there. There is. Yep. And so there's these different styles. One was set collection. Uh, there was three different types of stuffed animals underneath the uh, yes. as gifts. Yes. If you got a set of three, it's worth 15 points. Mm-hmm. And so there was so there's a little bit of set collection, uh, collecting a lot of the same cards, having majority of cards to make them worth more points. If you play a lot of games, that's very common. It's just all in the theme of ornaments and gifts and a really interesting way in order to claim those ornaments and gifts by using tinsel and light values. And I remember I timed us playing and we played in 15 minutes. Yes. Super. Now it was just us. Yeah, that playing. was a two player, but it plays two to four. Two, two to, to four. four, and I played a three-player game. It took about uh, t- 10 minutes longer because my dad had AP. 
My dad had serious AP that day. I remember day. when we played these because I will tend to get AP. I get AP at buying groceries at the grocery store, though. <laughs> I tell you to make a list. <laughs> but anyway, I kept saying, don't think about it. Just pick. Don't think about it. Just pick. Well, no, you got to think myself. about it. Yeah, but, but you got to yeah, think about it a little do. bit. You do. Yeah. And then I remember we added up our points. Yeah. And so I added up mine. And I didn't tell you, you added up yours, and I just knew you had so many more points than me, but we ended up, I had 50, you had 48. It was so super close. Yeah, a running theme of this podcast, if you listen over the past 10 years, is Vanessa always wins the first game of everything that we play, <laughs> which is not going to be the last time you hear that in this episode. So let me go ahead and wrap this up here. So <laughs> Holly Jolly, uh, a pinchback riddle game, that's what uh, we call those. Definitely a little bit more on the lighter fare than the last couple of card games they came out with. If I was to pull out one of their games to play with my gamer friends, it'd probably be Sebastrel, because it's a little more thinky, and I really got into that. I'm a gamer friend. Yeah, you would like this game because it's one of those that the rules are so simple to understand, but the game is really thinky. It's it's you know easy to easy to play, hard to master sort of deal. Holly Jolly is definitely on the lighter fare. It is shorter teacher family and everything and a really cool christmas themed game um, i really she, really enjoyed it yeah it, it, and i'll pull it out again next year too it was a lot of fun to play and again the art was beautiful it was fun to look at as you played we had a great time playing that game i didn't mention the game ends is when one of the two decks the ornament decks or the gift deck oh, runs out mm-hmm. and that's what triggers the end of the game so that's from 21st wow 21st 25th century games out now all right so the other game that you beat me first game on (laughs) is from gigamac let's just go ahead and say it was the first two wow it was the first two yes and then at that and then i stopped you want to play another i was like no "No." she was three and oh that night she's like nope i'm good it's like unbelievable bow out no one to hold them no one to fold them uh so that's, walk out the door backwards <laughs> this is from uh, gigamat games and the production in this game is absolutely gorgeous a wooden board with all wooden pieces and i will say that this game is basically connect four on steroids yes very much so but going back to the board when you first just had it out and laid the pieces out i just said wow this is nice to look at and just have it mm-hmm. just have it sitting out all the time even before we played anything but on the box, it said you could teach the minute, uh, excuse me, teach the rules in one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I forgot the gameplay on it. It might. Uh, five, uh, five, 10 minutes. Long. I mean, yeah. literally, it, I guess if you were really thinky, maybe 15 minutes at the most, but you yeah. know. And I, I timed, this was the thing that I was timing to see if it matched on the, on the boxes. And it did. You uh, caught it in like, I think it was 49 seconds, but you could even do it less than that's that. That's right, probably. baby. Taught it in 49 seconds. She had the clock going. And after it was over, I said, do you understand it? She went, yep, let's play. And we played. So, so what's what's really clever, there are four characteristics to these pieces. And Vanessa, as I say, the characteristic, you just tell me what they are. Height. Short or tall. Color. Tan or brown. I'm not sure how to name this one. Volume. Ah, solid or hollow. Mm, very good. And lastly, shape. Round or square. So what you're going to do is you're going to put your piece on, a piece on a board, and then the goal is to get four in a row with the same characteristic. All short, all the same color, maybe all hollow, maybe all round. And if you do that, you win the game. It's really that simple. But Vanessa, the rule that puts this game over the top for me that was just like the wow moment is the fact that 
You don't get to pick the piece that you put on the board. It's not even randomly done. Your opponent yes. chooses that piece for you. And that's that what elevates brilliant. this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we sat down. We started playing immediately. And suddenly your brain freezes thinking of looking at all the the pieces and thinking of all the different ways that it could become a four in a row. Four in a row. <laughs> and then... You got to make sure not to accidentally create a situation to where you've hand them a piece to where they can get four in a row. And that that's happened. It's like, I have no choice. I'm going to hand you a piece and you're going to win this game. But what's really interesting is, let's say I hand you a piece and you put it into place and you actually create four in a row, the same characteristics, but you as the player don't recognize that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do recognize it, you say, I got it. I win. Awesome. But if you don't, If you hand the other player a piece and that person has seen that, they can say, stop the game. You missed it. There's one right here. And then they can win the game. Oh, did we say that? Did you tell me that? Did I know that? (laughs) I think I I said it. And actually, um, I I did it with Adam last night. He put a piece into play and I went, by the way, he's like, oh. It's hard to keep up with It's hard to keep up. It's, it's, It's harder than you think. And what's really cool is as, as you play the game, you feel like, where's the strategy early on? It feels like we're just handing pieces back and forth. And as the game, as you get deeper into the game, it starts slowing down because there's less spots on the board. There's, you know, several rows will have only one vacant place. And you want to make sure that that place is a potential place that you could win. But the more I play the game, the earlier I started thinking about what was going going on in the game. Mm-hmm. Like I was starting to realize, okay, maybe I can set up a situation with the pieces that are left and maybe there's a two way I have a chance to win to where no matter what pieces handed back to me, I could possibly win the game. Wow. And I got that situation last night. You do all that thinking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well don't act so surprised. <laughs> the first time that we played it and and it did play fast. And that's what was so cool. You you play, you're done. Just remove the pieces and start again. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's one of those that you would play over and over and over. Oh, yeah. I like was sitting with Adam. Like the first time you're like, oh, no, we got to do that again. And we had some some spaces left. But the next time we played, did it come down to one space? Or there weren't very many spaces, but there was literally one place that you could put the peg in, the, in our second game. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I think it was, I was just stuck and you were going to get the win. Yeah. And then I realized, holy cow. On the previous turn before her turn, I should have looked at the board to make sure to hand her a piece to not leave her a situation where, yeah, you know, she would end up getting the win. That's where it's like, okay, this game's more elevated than what it seems but, to be. But uh, we played another day and we ended in a tie. Yeah, we did. And Adam and I ended in a tie last oh, night. Okay, yeah. Which which kind of feels almost good for both sides. It's like, okay, we, we managed to actually work in a tie here. But I did end up in a situation with Adam last night to where... He had like five pieces left to hand me and the board had set up to where there was nothing he could do. Any piece he was going to hand me, I was going to win. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and sometimes yeah. it is a so different game good, every time you play. So good. And I, here's the thing. I'm so glad we got a chance to check it out. They had sent it to us and I, because I'd heard so many things about it. So when they offered, I went, yeah, I got to hear what everybody's talking about. And so there's a whole line of these games and there's another one that's coming out. Uh, that's going to be somewhat similar, but uses a Moncala uh, mechanism of picking up pieces and dropping them around the board to try to get four in a row. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to get a copy of that too. Oh. And it looks gorgeous yeah. also. Well, I will play it 
once for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she just held her, She did a little round thing and just held up her finger because she knows she'll win that first game. No, I don't know it. It's always just, you know, quarter, wow, this is really funny that I keep winning the first. <laughs> thing about Quarto is, oh my gosh, it's, I just can't, I can't love that game more because it is so, <laughs> no, it's just, it looks so good. It plays so fast and it's so easy to teach. Mm-hmm. But yet as you're playing it, it's very engaging. It is. Yep. Yep. I check all those boxes too. Check, check, check. And you're almost just going to leave it sitting on the table because it almost looks like, like little pieces of abstract art. Mm-hmm. And the people go, oh, what is that? So who, what artist did that? No, it's a board game. You want to play? <laughs> yeah, you wrote my sucker. <laughs> That's right. All right. Holly Jolly. Holly Jolly. Recommend. Highly recommend. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Quarto, we recommend. Absolutely. Highly recommend it as well. And we recommend that you continue to listen to the show for another 10 years. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we do. Just kidding. Again, thank you for coming on, Vanessa, all so much over the past several years. And in fact, uh, maybe you can hang around a couple minutes because we need to record the uh, the intro for this episode. Hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, no, wait. I, I backed that up. Bye, y'all. <laughs> By chance, did you get some games over the holidays? If you did, then I know you want to make sure that those games last a long time. One of the best ways to do that is head over to ultrapro.com and get you some new sleeves. Matter of fact, a good friend of ours was like, hey, I'm looking for sleeves. We're like, go to ultrapro. My Art Nova has a bunch of Ultra Pro sleeves, making sure that those cards are in great shape. Heat, um, pedal to the metal. I'm getting ready to put all those cards, the cards that you are constantly playing, I'm gonna put those in some Ultra Pro clear sleeves. Oh, you don't need sleeves, you say? But you got a whole new series, a new RPG series? Well, they got some dice for you. Oh wait, you're getting ready to go travel for the new year. You're going to be heading out somewhere. Well, maybe you need to go over there and get some deck holders. You're getting ready to get ready for the 2023 tournaments. You know how to scare your foes? Take an Ultra Pro deck protector with you. They're going to be like, ooh, ah, look at him. He's got it all protected. (laughs) Ooh, ah. Yeah, that's it. Or how about one of the newest things? they got these natural vivid dice collections. It's available in eight colors. Very easy to read. D20 dice that are out there. Very nice, very heavy metal dice set. Give those a thought. Just a, hey, nothing scares those dragons in the dungeons like when metal dice hit the table and dent the table. Just telling you that. So head over to ultrapro.com for all of your gaming accessories. Now, Tony, one quick game that we got to the table that you missed. Uh, also, did you get to play a preview of uh, Namiji? Uh, at Gen Con 2019, which is like the successor, the successor to Takeda. No. So you weren't there with me. I couldn't remember who. I played a demo mm-hmm. of this game, right? As it was getting ready to go to Kickstarter. Have you played? You've played Takeda, though, right? No. Wow. Really? No, I've never played Takeda. I've never played it online. I've never played it. Oh my gosh! All right. So for those who've played Takeda, 
This is like a successor to that, except it's a little bit easier to get into. Same sort of deal. You're going around the board. The person who's in last gets to move. So maybe you've planned that where you get like two moves in a row. When you land on the spot, you get to take an action. What's really cool with this it has like a fishing theme. You've got a player board where one of the actions you can take is uh, maybe take a fish from the fish pile, one of the face-up fishes, and put it on your board. It's a four by three grid that you have on your board. If you can get all columns or a row of the same type of fish or same color, you'll score some victory points. Uh, there's one where you can cast a net where you can grab a tile of uh, fish and put it on your board. Uh, there's one thing, Tony, do you like where you start? Do you like games where you start out in the negative and you have to do something to get rid of negative points? I don't really care because it's all about the points. And now after listening to you talk about this, maybe I did the fish thing seems to be ringing a few bells? Okay. One was okay. So, the reason I was thinking about negative points, everybody starts out four whirlpools. For every whirlpool you have left on your board, you're going to score uh, negative points at the end of the game. So, there's a spot that you can stop on along the way to discard one of those whirlpools. There's the dock where everybody goes into the dock. They draw a card that would be like a permanent upgrade for their uh, uh, the rest of the gameplay. There's a place that you can land to draw a secret objective card where at the end, once you make a con complete lap around the uh, uh, the board, you have some in-game scoring objectives you can score. So again, Takedo, but probably a little bit simpler because I played with Bert and Bert loves Takedo. And he said, this is actually a little bit easier to get to uh, the table and teach people because there's not coins that you're using uh, to buy things with like there was in Takedo. Uh, it's a little bit easier to teach, probably a little bit quicker to play. He says he probably likes Takedo a little bit more because a little more in depth. He said this is a really good entry point into that game. Okay. Namiji all right, well, from Fun Forge. All right. Looking forward to hopefully getting to play that here soon. This is one Donna may like. Okay. I think I, I need to hand it off to you and see if Donna well, likes maybe it. Maybe I'll see you in the coming weeks. Now, one thing that's going on and – one thing that's changed about this show is near the in the outro, Marty and I will sometimes do a little video game discussion. Yep. And yep. a lot of big sales are going on. But one thing that has happened is he's made me get back into Guild Wars. And right now, Winner's Day specials going on. Yep. And I don't know, man. There's just something. Now that I've got these objectives I've got to complete and stuff like that. Now, I didn't know about all this. Where you go in and you got like, oh, did you do a profession and do these achievements? I'm like, okay, I've never knew this stuff existed. It's a deep game. It really is. And then I received something um, for uh, a, a anniversary gift or something. And I went over to the um, Black Lion Market, which is where you can sell your wares and all. Mm -hmm. It's like worth 10 gold to people. What is this? Well, do I want to get rid of it? Do I want to sell it? So I need to get over to our Discord channel and have a little discussion about this and see what the importance of this is. Because I don't understand. Did you all. finish the main story? Yeah, I'm done Where with the, I'm done with, with the main story. Oh, you did? You finished it. Congratulations. Yeah, so now I have to... That, that's kind of a big achievement. So I killed the big dragon? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was irritating. You soloed that, huh? That was very irritating. Yes, yeah. I soloed I, it. You should have called me. I don't understand when you sit and play these games, you don't buzz and say, I'm playing it. You want to play? Because you're asleep. Oh. It's, a, it's after 10 o'clock, so you're going to be asleep when I'm playing these. And especially for the past 10 days, you've been asleep when I've been playing because I'll go into my COVID room and I'll sit there and start playing games and you're already asleep. So, But I, 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 now, I got some, now I've got a bounty on my head by a certain group because I went and killed one of their bosses. 
And I need to go kill. Oh, that's cool. I got to kill a world boss. What's what is all this? A world boss. What's a world boss? I don't know all this stuff. No, just let me know when you buy the expansion eventually. So I've been waiting can, for it to go on sale. It, you missed it. Oh. It was on sale over Black Friday. When you were gone, I almost, I should have bought it and gifted it to you because it was on sale. Oh, I'm sure they'll put it back on sale. Oh, they will. They will. They will. That's cool. That's uh, Speaking of which, I see that you're sitting in a very comfortable chair as you play Guild Wars. Yes. Which tell us a little bit about that chair. Well, it's 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 a model up from my previous E-Win chair. It's an E-Win chair, and it's the cloth fabric one that they came out with. I was, you know, Marty got his, and he's like, man, you need to go get this cloth chair. I'm tired of listening to you whine about swamp butt. And what is that, you may ask? Well, it is where you sweat in these leather chairs. So I said, okay, fine. I will get this nice cloth leather chair and got one. And first off, the key to this for me is how firm this chair is. It's got a firm. Is your still firm cushion? Heck yes. I'm like, wow, that is some support for the old Heine. I did not realize the difference between the two. So I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's a big plus for me. By the way, RDTN code, 30% off of these E-Win chairs. So go, go to the, go to ewinracing.com, RDTN, 30% off anything, mm-hmm. not just a chair. Not just a chair. Another thing, I, in the old chair, I could not use the pillows. I can use the pillows on this, the lumbar pillow and the one for the headrest. My only issue is the lumbar pillow is not attached. I don't want it to be attached. Sometimes, you know, I understand your point. But still, I mean, I never use it in the other chair, so it makes it easier to get away. But I do like it. I've noticed that uh, the whole time we've been recording, you're just kind of reclining with your head back against the pillow. You look very comfortable. Oh, I will always be comfortable. I'm not going to put any effort into this show after 10 years. Come on. It is what it is. But uh, so also the sides of this chair, it's wider hips. So it's not, I don't feel like now that's a pro and a con. I like how it was snug fitting on the hips. Yeah. But this one's not, but I kind of like that too. Cause for 10 days while I was in COVID protocols, not concussion, COVID, I sat in this chair a lot and I was very happy that I had this. It was a lot more comfortable. So what am I doing with my old E-Win chair that I had, that I got? What I did was I took the base off of my old E-Win chair and put it on this one because they're interchangeable. Okay. Why? Because I'm giving my old one to my daughter. And this way, you cannot just take off the piston, separate the piston from the base. It takes a lot of force. So I basically Mm -hmm. just took the cushions out and attached the base and I was done. It's the same wheels. It's the same support on the bottom. Everything works the same. So I was like, okay, well, this is pretty darn nice. So I was like, why did you have to switch it for her anyway? So she she can keep it in a box. And then, so she's not, I was going to box the chair up. Oh, I see. And this way I didn't put a whole, I didn't have to take a base apart. I just used my old base and she can have the new base. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And it just makes it easier for her. So if you have multiple E-Win chairs, you know, if you're, you you don't necessarily have to constantly be put in a base, but if you want to like give it to you, your, let's say your kids are fixing to go off to college and you want to upgrade your type of chair, you don't necessarily have to put the base together and have a hard time. It can go into a big old box. So very happy. I will say the, the base on this cloth chair is a lot more sturdy. Okay. Uh, well, that's what they, that's what they say is that this, this, this chair is the, the base on this chair because it also supports a higher weight. Loving the chair, loving the E-Win product. Hasn't changed my opinion of it. Great chair. 
comfortable. It's not hot. It's, it's firm. It's deep. I'm able to use the pillows because even with my 6'2 frame, that was one of the problems on the old chair. I could not use the pillows if it just based how it was. This one, haven't had any issue with it. It may seem strange to everybody, but there was just something about it. I do love how deep this chair is. Yeah, you, you it's definitely the the seat itself seems longer. Yes, definitely longer. I haven't had Donna try it out yet, but she doesn't she's not allowed in the COVID room. So Oh, okay. oh that's good. Yeah. That's good. So anyway, if you're still interested in one of these chairs, remember you can get thirty percent off. That's still going on over at ewinchair.com, ewinracing.com. You can uh, just check our link on our webpage, rolldicetechnames.com. And before we get out of here, one thing I want to we want to give out a congratulations to Fred Serval, the designer of Red Flag Over Paris. Tony, that's a two player mm-hmm. game that you and I played earlier this year, and the San Diego Historical Comics Game Convention uh, announced that uh, it is the winner of their first annual summer. Summit Award. The Summit Award aims to recognize a historical board game published in the preceding year that has that most broadened the hobby through the ease of teaching and or play, uniqueness of topic, or novel approach. And I will say that Red Flag Over Paris is definitely an Mm -hmm. easy game to learn. Plays in like 30 minutes. Uh, very thematic. And we we just had a really great time with it. I liked it way more than uh, Fort Sumter. Okay. I'm sitting here thinking about the differences between, but congrats to them for winning that. And that's pretty interesting. Got more awards coming. I mean, it's no squirrely, but you know, come on. No, it, it's not. But I like how they're using this to, uh, it's a way to broaden the hobby. Uh, you and I have been playing some more historical games recently, and, and there is a heavy barrier to those. But we, you and I just played Fire and Stone from Capstone. Uh, which we both really enjoyed too. Another two-player historical game that was really easy to get into. Watergate's an easy two-player game to get into. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and tease it out. That's going to be our next video, and I've already got it named. What, what's our next video? Our next, do historic board games suck for new players? Quick, <laughs> <laughs> man, go for it. I love it. Yes. But yes, do historic. Oh my gosh. Historic board games suck for new players because there's a stigma about them. And this this is a great way to recognize that you need to get beyond that. That it's all these little chits flying around on a board somewhere and all this heavy strategy. Damn. And that's something that we're going to talk about in our next video in 2023. Well, that's it, man. 10 years. 10 years we've been doing this. And I know that we ran super long in this episode today, but hey, it's a 10 year celebration. We wanted to reminisce a little bit, and it's it's been a blast. And uh, I definitely have enjoyed the past ten years working with my good friend over there, Tony. It's been a we've done a lot of things through the whoo, through the decades together, and it's fun to actually find somebody that you spend a lot of time with to actually work on a project and do something together. And that's kind of what this has been for me. Yeah. Oh man, ten years. Where did it go? I don't know. I mean, when you think back to where your kids were 10 years ago and all this stuff, it's uh, it's a lot, of, a lot has changed since then. Yeah. If we had thought harder about it 10 years ago, it'd come up with a better ending than keep rolling dice and taking names. Woo! Yeah, that was a lot longer than our normal episode, but we had so much fun putting it together, and we want to thank each and every one of you for supporting us and listening to us over all these years. Don't forget to enter that contest. We want to make sure that you get a chance to win and stick around. Who knows what we'll come up with over the next 10 years of rolling dice and taking names. Hey, man, you asked me, did I get you an anniversary gift? Yes. And I actually did. I got you a small picture of me 
inside a pistachio. You got me a picture of you inside a pistachio? Yeah, but that's just me in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good. Okay. That was good. That was a good one. Bravo. (laughs) Thank you.